The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Hamilton Morris comes here with a video camera when the podcast in its most cluttered state possible. <laughs> this room is a wreck. I look like I should be on hoarders in this fucking room. Serious. I gotta clean this bitch out. This is ridiculous. Too much traveling, man. Too much traveling. Yes. You know? You know how it is. Hamilton Morris. Hello. What's up, buddy? Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, I uh, enjoyed a lot of your stuff that I saw online, man, especially uh, that, for, for those who don't know, you write for, uh, for Vice, right? For Vice.com? That's right. Vice Magazine. For Vice Magazine. I think the first thing I ever saw you do, you were tripping somewhere in the jungle. I don't really remember what it was, but you, uh, you had taken some trip to hang out with some indigenous people. Yes. And they, what did they give you? It was the Mayaruna Indians, and they gave me a... Well, they actually didn't give it to me. It was sort of a complicated trip to find them, but they traditionally used the venom of this frog called Phila Medusa bicolor that produces a venom that's rich in all these different psychoactive peptides and specifically contains this substance called dermorphin. that's a super potent opioid, but they kind of... Whoa. Yeah. But it doesn't have any sort of like a classical opioid effect. Like it's not really a sedative. And people claim that it gives them everlasting energy. They're able to hunt for days without sleep and to go days without eating and all sorts of supernatural feats. Hmm. Wow. You have what a is... great voice, by the way. Can we just yeah, say it's... that you have a very <laughs> mysterious voice and it's very interesting. You should Especially read books you know to cool shit. Yeah. yeah. If you know cool shit and you have a voice like that, yeah. dude. Amazing. All right. Yeah. Please. Sorry. So what is the effect? <laughs> this um this this Well that's what I'd been told. Psychoactive that would you have been that told? I would that would go days without requiring sleep and I'd be able to hunt all night for animals in the jungle with these Indians. Jesus. And uh so I was expecting more of a stimulant type effect, but then this chemical dermorphin, there's no real reason you should expect it to be a stimulant. It's an opioid. There used to be a theory of autism that was based on them detecting dermorphin in the urine of autistic children. Whoa. So they thought that there was some kind of bacterial organism in the intestine of these children that was naturally producing the dermorphin. And so they thought autism was this kind of opioid-mediated pathology like wow yeah in the same way that you're talking about endogenous dmt and how that can cause a psychedelic experience without ingesting a drug this was the idea was that there's an endogenous intestinal opioid bacteria that produces dermorphin but it's never been demonstrated anyway so i thought it's it's never been demonstrated so how did they come to this conclusion is that sounds so fascinating yeah it's amazing yeah i never heard that theory before well there's all kinds of psychoactive substances that have been detected in the urine of people with different sorts of mental illnesses. You know, there's 5-MeO-DMT detected in the urine of schizophrenics. And Whoa. Yeah. Dude, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's I mean, ridiculous. it's well, it totally makes sense if you think about it because we, we all have bodies, like people's bodies go haywire, you know? Things, things go wrong. I have vitiligo, so I have spots on my, uh, my hand where my pigment doesn't grow anymore. So it's like weird shit happens to bodies. Weird, sure. weird shit easily could happen to your body's, your brain's ability to produce psychedelic chemicals. Could you imagine if every day was just tripping all day long? 
Like, you couldn't get out of tripping. Instead of licking frogs, you're licking this guy and paying him $20 <laughs> just to get off. <laughs> what? Never I, I don't know what you're talking like about. If, you're, oh. if your body was producing a drug, like a frog. Oh, and no, was, I didn't mean it like that licking, way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that way, Brian. His body's not producing a drug he's ingesting. His body's producing a drug internally, you silly boy. I know, but what if he secreted it out of that? Who the fuck is secreting? The guy. You know? No, if you were producing the drug inside your body, you are secreting, you're secreting it, if it. If you're urinating. Yeah, it. if you're urinating. Kind of secretion. So and then you became a frog. It, how do they get it from... They, do they actually get 5-MeO from frogs? Can they do that? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah right? They, yeah. They, that's real, And right? some toads, right? Yeah, Buchwell yeah. variants. Yeah. 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 And how do you do that? Um, there's different techniques for doing it. I used to know a guy that raised Buchwell variants, and he, <laughs> he lives in Boston, and his technique... Why am I not shocked? <laughs> <laughs> they have glands that, you, that just squirt it out pretty yeah, much yeah. to collect it. Yeah, f- at least four. Two on the neck and wow. two on the legs. And he would grab it by the scruff of its neck and then take a cat and show it the cat and the, it's terrified of cats oh, wow. and then that causes it to secrete the venom and then he would pinch all of the glands onto a glass sheet and dry it out. wow that's fucking wild I tell you the secret's cat Joe in life everything seems cats we've been talking about feral cats these cats making drugs yeah that's incredible yeah so you just scrape it up and smoke it? Yeah, but it's not just 5-MeO-DMT. There's also apparently some quantity of bufotenine and also a bunch of other things. That's why it's not really safe to eat it. <laughs> Damn. The things people will risk to get high. No, no, it's actually worth checking out. Really? Yes. I actually used to shop for it. I told them <laughs> before in the podcast that I was doing a lot of research and buying them in mass quantities when I lived in Ohio, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe invest in a few frogs yeah. and and uh, cultivate a relationship with them. I mean, is it illegal? <laughs> it may it, be illegal. 5-MeO-DMT was recently scheduled, so yeah. It uh, it used to be you could get 5-MeO-DMT like, on the internet, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's incredible. They just didn't know? Um, I don't think it really poses that much of a risk in terms of, I doubt there's very many 5-MeO-DMT hospitalizations compared to even things like LSD. It's just right. such a rare thing, and it lasts for such a short period of time. You could just make it like a frog kissing booth to get around the law. You know, just say, like, don't say, like, this is to lick or to get the drug off of, like, you know, if you want this drug and you want to kiss it. <laughs> Brian, I'm going to bring you to a doctor. I'm going to bring you Too to a doctor. Hits. I'm going to bring you to a doctor, and he's going he's gonna to find out what the fuck is wrong with you, Too kid. Too many hits. You went too deep in the yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah, way too deep. Well, well, you know what? When a, when a guest like Hamilton Morris is here, I I could see why you uh, you get a little carried away. Yeah. You just wanted to you wanted to you wanted to perform on his level, right? No, I I just wanted <laughs> to go. I was just playing around too much. I was playing around too much. You're you're not even a professional stoner. You're like a, a professional uh, psychoactive expert. You're like one of those dudes who you could say, hey, man, what is it about that lotus flower? And you can go, oh, well, the lotus flower. And you'll explain it perfectly. Yeah. How do you know so much about all this stuff? Uh, well, I've studied it in school for years. I started out studying neuroscience. and uh, Where'd you go to school? The University of Chicago. So this, was this something that was just always pulling at you? Like how the mind works and various chemicals? Like- um, yeah, not necessarily with the drug connection, but I was always interested in science and neuroscience. And then once you understand that area of it, it becomes even more interesting. 
And then also medicinal chemistry, pharmacology. It's all interrelated. And, and now, how did you start putting together these videos online? Um, well, I left Chicago and moved to New York, and a friend of a friend worked at Vice Magazine and told the editor that I had been... I was interested both academically and in terms of writing about all of these psychedelic drugs, and they wanted to do more informed drug-related content for the magazine. So... Um, so they asked me to start writing a monthly column. But this is, you know, Vice used to have a totally different attitude towards drugs in terms of, uh, you know, they'd give someone like an ounce of mushrooms and put them in a hotel room and just record everything they did while it was happening. They weren't really interested in the science of it. Not that that's a bad thing. So they used to have that attitude? Is that what no, you're they, yeah, they used to have that attitude. And now they're more open-minded to discussing the scientific aspects. So do you think the scientific aspects for the longest time where was it like, I think it was like maybe Hunter S. Thompson that maybe fucked a lot of people up because his thing was just sort of take them, blast off, and enjoy the ride of it. Yeah. You know, and that you were kind of a fool to try to quantify it and package it all together. You know, sure, yeah. Do you think that that kind of like set, that kind of mindset sometimes, I mean, it's, it's a fun mindset when you talk about like, you know, eating some mushrooms and going to a football game. <laughs> I mean, there's some people who, like, look down upon that. Oh, yeah. But there's other people that, you know, that, that actually enjoy doing something like that. It's not the spiritual thing. It's not the, uh, the, the, the full-blown psychedelic connection that you can make. Yeah, I certainly But it's fun, too, right? Look down on that. No, I think any way that anyone chooses to do it is perfectly fine, as long as they benefit from it and don't hurt don't like stab people in the process or well, kill a dog or something if it was legal it would be great because then you would know like what everything was that would be the best way to deal with it you the the idea that you're just buying stuff from people you don't know it's so hard to cultivate a friendship you know where you're trusting someone to sell you something they're not supposed to be selling you you get you get into a tricky situation. Well, even they don't both know parties. most of the time. Yeah, especially with something like LSD, where who knows where it actually comes from. With something like mushrooms, that maybe you're one degree of separation away from the, the source that's producing the material. But with LSD, it could be twenty degrees of separation. So you, you don't even know what it is. You got to be bold as fuck to eat mushrooms in the wild. Because because just, oh, just to be like you're sure. You're oh, sure absolutely. That's what it is. I mean, there's a few. Aren't there a few psychedelic mushrooms that look like really similar to things that are like super poisonous? Yeah, there are. Definitely. Gallerina marginata. A bunch of the Gallerina yeah. genus mushrooms look a lot like the psilocybes and uh, really? are massively poisonous. Oh, dude. Could yeah. you imagine how yeah. many people have died from that? I don't know. That's terrifying, right? Yeah. Come on, camera guy. You're in this room, <laughs> dude. You can't just observe, bro. It's just too weird. Have a seat, man. Have a seat. Sit down with us. We gotta include your camera guy, otherwise it doesn't feel organic. I feel stared at. Yeah. This is Matt, everybody. Matt, the camera guy. He's here as well, because um, Hamilton is doing something on uh, isolation tanks, and we're going to check out the float lab tomorrow in Venice, where uh, Crash, my friend Craig, aka Crash, is uh, the mad genius putting together the baddest float tanks in the world. We're going to go check out his stuff and his crazy cellular influence device. When did you st uh, first learn about the flotation tanks? Uh, is this something that you knew for a while? or did? Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's, 
I mean, what got what what gave you the idea to 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 make do this project? I mean, I've always found them interesting. I think they're pretty fascinating for anyone that studied the history of psychedelic drugs, just because John Lilly used them in such interesting ways. And also, at the very beginning of psychedelic research, there were always these attempts to try and isolate the experience from the environment in some way when they were trying to quantify or qualify the different effects of new drugs in the 60s. And, uh, and because it's a class that's so much based on the environment, uh, they wanted to try and figure out a way to remove subjects from the environment and test them in some kind of an unbiased setting. And, uh, and the two ways they had were sensory deprivation tanks and these Gonsfeld devices. You know. Yeah. So um, you, you we were talking about it earlier. You've, you've only had... One uh, yeah. century, and it was experience. quite a while ago. It sucks that it's not more readily available. You know, I think uh, if you could just get into it for a little bit, you know, if you get into like a regular thing, like even just once a week, it's great, man. If you could find a place that has it, I bet it's like a massage. I bet like I, I just recently got my first massage, and I always kind of went shunned it, shunned it off just because it seemed weird to me. And I got my first one. Now I, I get it. You know, yeah. it was just nice relaxation. You know, it's not that expensive. It's really good for you, too. I think it's really good to have someone that be affectionate to you. Even if yeah. it's just, you know, even if it's uh, just, you know, someone rubbing you with their fingers. Like, that's really, really intimate. Yeah. You know, we're pretending that it's not sexual because it's not touching your, your groin. Right. But when some big, fat, sweaty woman who really knows how to rub a neck... When she's getting in there with lotion and everything, oh, yeah. like, that lady's fucking you. Thai you know ones she's giving you, you affection. They're giving you affection. They're rubbing your legs. When someone's rubbing your feet, yeah. they might as well be blowing you. When they're right? digging their heel into the, your We're back. just little children. We're little children to leave the genitals <laughs> yeah. out of the picture. Yeah. Because that's what that person's doing. They're being affectionate to you. Yeah. You're paying them to be ultimately affectionate to you. Because... Yeah, it works the muscles, and yeah, it increases you know uh, blood flow, and yeah, it breaks up scar tissue. It's great therapeutically, but it's also great because it's affection. What if they had, like finished it off with like like rocking you in a chair where they held you for like twenty minutes at the end, and you were just, they were just like playing with your hair at the very end, like a baby or something? Yeah, that's how it, that would you work. Should add little <laughs> bonuses like that, you know? If that's what you're into. <laughs> Extra ten dollars, they'll do that. Yeah, they should do it. Do it. Do the whole thing. I remember uh, there was a a place I used to go to, and they uh, they arrested one of the dudes there because he was uh, he was giving dudes massages and blowjobs. Wow, he was like blowing a lot of the gay guys that came in here. Huh. And, and so they caught him. The double. double. And I'm like, look, he's just trying to make his customers happy. Yeah. You know, Complete. that's what his customer wanted. Exactly. I mean, that is what the guy wanted. He wanted to do it too. Who got hurt there? Yeah, they should you know? have that for In a perfect everything. world. As long as it's like really clear that that's what you want, you right? Because if you're like a straight guy and all of a sudden he's blowing you and you're like, dude, wrong signal. Yeah. But if you're a gay guy, who gives a fuck? Really? Are we trying to stop that? Why are we trying to stop that, Hamilton Morris, in 2012? Why, Matt the cameraman? <laughs> Matt the cameraman. You can talk, brother. You're allowed to talk. So it's crazy seeing the internet all blacked out today. Like, let's say Google and Reddit and, and uh, Wikipedia. Hamilton? Yeah, I noticed it. What did you think about the SOPA thing? I haven't read enough about it. I mean, I think it's horrifying if it is what I think it is. But I'd like to do a little more research. You well, couldn't even read about it. Wikipedia was blacked out. It's, it represents a trend. It represents an attempt. And whatever it is, it's trying to control 
the, or the, having the ability to control the internet. But the reality is they can do that now. If the government wanted to step in, like if you were you had some crazy Al-Qaeda, pro-Al-Qaeda website up, they could shut you down. They and trust me, down it's easy. not going to do anything but create an underground tunnel that we're all going to use. And it's going to be really, you're just, you're, you can't lose, you're going to lose against the internet. If you tried to do this anyway, if you tried to start banning websites, if you st- tried to like start monitoring people, they're, the internet will find a hack for it, just like they do every single iPhone a day before it's released, you know? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I mean, who is they? You know, who's, then who's ultimately going to be in control of it? You know, what, what, you know, is it, is it really, is that what's going on? I don't think there's a they. I think what's, what's happening is people are realizing as more people get more access to information that they're not buying the bullshit anymore. And the only way to stop that is you're going to have to limit their access to information. You're going to have to be able to control them. You're going to have to be able to somehow or another box them up. You're going to have to be able to somehow or another, the trend is giving information freely through these fucking cell phones and wireless internet connections and they're coordinating meetings and then people are setting things up and they can't stop it they can't control it and that's driving them crazy but they can also work through the system like when you think about how many wikipedia entries are written by the pharmaceutical companies that are you know how much wikipedia material is actually advertising in one way or another really i mean of course if anyone can edit it who wouldn't take advantage of that incredible resource yeah i would imagine yeah i mean it's not all good it's not it's not it's not perfect but it's the best way the best way is let the internet sort it out. The best way is not that government controls the internet. That's the worst way. That's the worst way possible. A bunch of people are willing to go to war. They get to control the internet. Fuck you. No, you don't. That's crazy. You fucking resource hogs. You can't control the internet too. <sighs> Jesus Christ. You know, you're stealing minerals in Africa and stealing oil in the Middle East and trying to jack the internet. It's the same motherfuckers. God damn it, Brian. I blacked out my website today. Did you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I did it really poorly and quick. I just changed the logo and made all the text great, dark gray. Do you feel like you're a part of a movement now? Yeah. I feel like I've accomplished I feel a little left out. I feel a little left out. Well, NBC would probably be pissed off at you if you did that, probably. If I blacked out my shit? Yeah, because, I mean, the people backing SOPA is all the big media giants, you know? All the darlings that want to... Google's not backing it. Wikipedia is not back. No, I mean entertainment. Oh, but okay. Studios. You mean like and Disney and Disney shit like that. NBC. Well, yeah, I guess if they would be the ones who could benefit from a crackdown. You got to think about how much money has been lost. Now, here's my question. A lot of people have gotten things that they didn't deserve because they kind of downloaded them illegally, maybe. But how much money was lost? Was there really any money lost? I wonder. I wonder if, like, I wonder if it didn't exist. Would those people have gone out and bought it? Is that what you're saying? Or would you say maybe they just downloaded it for a, on a whim? And maybe if they like it, they might tell somebody else, and maybe somebody else might buy it. Like, it's possible that it's not causing any loss. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Do I, it's know? definitely a loss. I mean, if you look at go to a movie theater nowadays, it's not like it used to be. You if, think people are downloading shit? You think that's what's going on for real? Hey, I'm, I, I hate to admit it. I used to do it. I used to, you know, I downloaded every single movie allegedly that came out that that don't weekend. Say this allegedly. <laughs> I mean, I might don't be playing say a this character. Online. I'm glad you're playing a character. <laughs> Your character's an idiot. <laughs> 
I'm just acting like a typical gonna... guy on the internet, you know. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> um, I don't think it's. I don't. But know. now I don't do that shit. I don't no, think it's that. I think if the, if the the movie theaters are empty, it's because of the economy. A and because of um, the movies suck. Yeah, B, a lot of movies suck. Yeah, it's hard to find good movies, and that's the problem. Like it's it's weird going to the movies nowadays and taking a girl on a date and spending eighty dollars. You know, it's like wait a second, mm. what happened to like six dollar movie tickets instead of twenty dollar movie tickets? It's called inflation, bitch. Yeah, but that's Catch one, up. I know, but that's one of the reasons. There's a yeah. movie theater that's in Pasadena by the Ice House that that we walked by, yeah. and yeah, the movies were like one or two weeks old. They weren't first week movies, yeah. but they weren't old yet. And they were like, I think, $3 tickets. Yeah, yeah. That place is cool. Yeah. What's the name of that place? I can't remember. It's uh, off of uh, Colorado. That's, I, I love when you find a place like that. Yeah. That does something cool like that. place, like, just slightly old movies. Oh, yeah. Like, really cheap. Super cheap. That's I, how it should I be. I can wait. Yeah. I can wait. I'll wait. I'll support your cool business. And it's kind of a retro movie theater. It's not new at all. Like, it's old yeah. school. What you remember in the 80s when E.T. came out. And you're like, ooh. Coolest movie experience ever, man. We were playing at the Houston Laugh Stop. And uh, what was that stupid movie that they made about uh, some kids in the woods? And it was like, they were looking for a witch. Bla- Bla- Blair Witch? Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Right? Isn't yeah. that it? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, Is that we're, it? It was like a, a fake documentary yeah, style? Yeah, Blair Witch. Yeah. We, me and Chris McGuire watched that. These guys came down to the show, and then afterwards, um, one of them worked at a movie theater. And he said, you guys want to go see the Blair Witch Project? Like, right now? Just us? I was like, oh, shit. So it was me and him and my buddy Chris and like a couple of his friends, and we just alone in the theater. He turned the thing on. Like, he literally had the keys, and we watched the Blair Witch Project alone. Wow. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's like the only movie. way to watch that thing. It was It was the perfect way to watch that movie. And I tried to watch it again, and it was fucking terrible. Second thought, it was terrible. I, I tried to, like, I don't know, recreate the moment. Did you hear McDonald's has to now put up signs saying that their french fries cause cancer? That they're... Whoa. Yeah. Uh, it's in... It's... Something that's in French fries, potato chips, coffee, cigarettes, uh, the chemical is produced through the browning process, you know, like when they, you know, f- right. put the f- uh, fries in the fryer. Uh, it causes cancer, like that oh. browning, the browning process of, the, I guess, the oils that are in it or whatever. And uh, so they have to put up signs. Uh, and I guess there's ways around it. Like they don't have to use, do it the browning process or they could do it the baking process, you know, and, but that, of course, would take long. The thing with fries, it probably, you know, makes it super quick. It's so. interesting that it's the browning process and it kind of makes sense because, you know, they say that uh, if you eat meat and you eat it like like well done, like the carbon, the outside, it's like really not good. It's like that, yeah. that, that, that the black shit. That people love the crispy outside. Right. That's like really bad for you. Yeah. That's the worst part. Yeah. Right? I think it is, yeah. How fucking weird are people, man? But they're, they're so delicious. That's the most taste, best tasting cancer ever. Would you say that's the best tasting cancer? Oh, by the way, <laughs> uh, yeah. A lot of people got mad at us because of this last podcast. I had a fucking a bunch of annoyed people with me on Twitter. Why? Uh, I don't know, man. There was a couple of people that were annoyed that were vegans. And one guy I might have overreacted to because I just get tired of people with their hashtag i'm vegan like they say something and then they go i'm vegan he was uh saying because we were talking about um uh animals getting killed in processing plants and it it does happen you know groundhogs and all kinds of animals die you know it's not it's not when you you buy plants from a store i mean unless you're growing you got your own organic setup and you're doing it all yourself chances are in the harvesting of the plants some animals are going to die unfortunately Mm -hmm. and maybe even more 
What's that? Maybe even more. Maybe even I don't know if it's more. But it's I don't a know different. If that's true, it's but different. It's like mice. The the the, the you know the area is going to be devastated unless you have like some like really good setup or it's like you know great composting. I mean, unless you're doing it all yourself for your own food. I mean, if you're doing it all yourself for your own food, that's one thing. But if you're buying some shit from Whole Foods or from wherever, it's coming from a farm somewhere, even if it's organically grown, you don't think some animals are getting jacked? Oh, yeah. No, it's, I think it up. is. There's an article about how in Australia, at least, it's a, a greater total loss of life. But it's a different type of life if you're a vegetarian than if you're yeah. an omnivore because, uh, because of all the mice that are killed in the process of harvesting grains. But I don't know. It's, it depends on, it depends it totally on it. makes sense. But I guess but, on the gradation you know, of life. I don't, I don't think... Vegans are ridiculous. We need, this is, well, they're not ridiculous. They're sensitive people. They're like, and they're, I can they're understand that and appreciate midgets. it. Excuse me. I can understand that and appreciate it, but it's, um, it's just, it gets annoying that I'm vegan. I'm, you know, like, it's like, it's a self, there's a self-righteous air to it. And there's a weird thing that it's okay to live, to eat some living things. It's okay to kill trees. It's okay to kill plants. It's okay to kill fruit and vegetables. It's okay to kill that. You could kill. You could chop that fucking lettuce right out of the ground, and it's dead. And then you you eat it. That's okay, but it's not okay to kill an animal. Like what? When do you when do you draw a line? Is there any distinction? Like what if the animal was just meat? It was just meat with a heartbeat, and it couldn't think, and it just sat there. If it didn't, and have if a you brain. didn't eat it, somebody else would. Is that okay? Like at what at what point is it okay to eat an animal, another life form? Is it only stuff that can't move? <laughs> Who are these oversensitive people scream. is what you should be asking. Well, Forget like even responding to that because that, who cares what other people eat and what their views on eating well, meat I are. D- That's I silly. Think, no, I think there's a certain cruelty associated with factory farming, and I, I agree Obviously. with it. It's gross. It's horrific, you know. I try to avoid uh, I try to avoid cheeseburgers except in and out in and out's pretty fucking spectacular. Yeah. Five Guys Burgers. I hope those tri- cows were treated well. Mm-hmm. If I had known they were treated well, I'd feel much better about it. But, you know, the reality of, you know, you buy a Kentucky Fried Chicken or you buy any sort of, you know, meat product from any fast food, anything, you're buying something that did not live a happy life. Right. You know, it's going to be the cheapest meat they can possibly get you. Right? I mean, isn't it? I don't know. Right? Half of it's fiberglass, right? Like, look at Taco Bell's meat. <laughs> I don't think, you know, I don't think vegans are silly. I just, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it, and I don't think we should be, I don't think we should be treating animals the way we treat people. I think we should be cl- kind to everything we can be kind to. And I definitely think factory farming is fucked, but I think regular farming is pretty goddamn natural. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what people have been doing forever. Yeah. As long as you're not abusing the animals, it's... It's what people have been doing for forever. And those animals, I mean, who's to say that you're not supposed to take out cows? That's silly to me. Someone's going to take them out. Is it a jaguar? If a jaguar doesn't take them out, can people take the cow out? We can't. You're talking about extremeness, though. People like, most people don't believe that. Even even most like normal anti-cruelty animal you know companies or whatever they're called charities, uh, uh, even them uh, they still believe in you know humane killing of animals. But the, the, what you're talking about is people that are just like nothing. No, you, you can't. Well, there's definitely grades, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's only a small amount of the people, Joe. Like you're talking about like the three twi- Twitter followers or whatever that are. It's, but it's you know it's a significant chunk of the population. I think there's a lot of people that are like really upset at any idea of any cruelty whatsoever to 
animals. And you know what, man? It's because they love their animals. I totally get that. Right. I do love their animals, and I and I totally get loving wildlife. But you know, the idea that they're going to live forever if you don't eat them? Like, what the fuck's happening here? No, don't eat animals ever. Okay. Who's going to eat them then? Block them. The fuck's going to happen Block here? Block these people. You're gonna you're gonna go around <laughs> gelding them. You're gonna make sure these elk don't fuck. Yeah. Because otherwise they're going to be everywhere. <laughs> you ever go to there's a, uh, a town in Colorado called Evergreen beautiful beautiful place it's amazing it's up in the mountains and it's um, you you uh, there's a certain part of town where you can't go anywhere uh, at uh, uh, during certain migrations because the elks will just walk down the main street it's fucking amazing there's like a hundred elk there's a photo of them and there's like a herd of them and they're walking down the middle of the street. It's like, wow, what a crazy place where you live, man. Yeah. A herd of elk just walk. But, you know, if, if it wasn't for people shooting those elk, it, the herd would be 200 the next year. It'd be 300. There's not enough predators. Like, unless you want more mountain lions, unless you want to start bringing mountain lions into your daily equation, you got to do something to get rid of those elk. Like, they have to shoot those fucking things. If we want to live there, you're going to have to shoot them. Deer are fucking terrifying. If you've ever been in a place where, where deer are like super plentiful and you can't drive safe. Yeah, Ohio. It, it's ridiculous. There's deer flying all over the place. And there's, you wake up. Um, normally, I would wake up at my, at my dad's house when I lived at my dad's house and see a deer like, like every week. I would see a couple in my backyard. Yeah, and if you're driving home at night, that's yeah, when it's and scary. The main streets are right next to my dad's neighborhood. So, it, I mean, obviously, the, that's dangerous. Yeah, somebody's got to eat them. You got to eat more of those. Yeah. I've never actually had deer. I've never had any of that craziness. You've never? No. Hamilton, are you a vegetarian or anything? I am, yeah. Are you? Yeah. How long have you been a vegetarian? Since 2009. But I eat meat occasionally. Yeah. Is it a um, health choice or is it a... Um, I think it just generally encourages me to be more conscious of what I'm eating because mm. otherwise I'm more inclined to eat just gross fast food and things like that. Right. Um, and I think my diet's improved enormously since I became a vegetarian. Yeah, the more plant matter you can get in, it seems like you just feel better. You feel yeah. healthier. But goddamn meat is delicious. <laughs> I eat what fish a- occasionally. Do you? Yeah. No red meat or anything along no. those lines? I have my theory that the, uh, I've said it before, that the stuff that's the quickest is the, the best for you. Like deer. Deer's really good for you because they're hard to get. Those r- motherfuckers, they run because <laughs> they got like really good meat. Cows, it's pretty good meat. What's pretty cheetah good. taste like? I don't know. Because it has to be the best. But that's too delicious. <laughs> Imagine you get a cheetah burger. Mm-hmm. Oh damn! People would be like, "No, don't eat a cat." Yeah, isn't that funny? I bet cat, it's cats will eat you, but nobody wants you to eat a cat. You can't go hunting tigers and eat the tiger. Like, what if tiger meat was fucking delicious? People would be like, "You dick!" But meanwhile, that tiger would hunt you. Yeah, you dummy. <laughs> I'm not saying tigers should be extinct. I'm saying if I lived in India, I would think tigers should be extinct. Not necessarily, but definitely if I lived in the Sunderbands. I say leave cats alone. What about big ones, man? Nah, leave them alone. Fuck that, bro. You ever see a real one? You just have like a cat thing that you would have to do if a tiger's about to attack. You just throw like a piece of paper the other direction and run, you know, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> it probably does. There's probably like in like in in their instinct that they they will like do if you that. Threw a you know? ball. Yeah, I wonder if there's like any people no. that's ever tried that. Dude, I can't even believe you're asking that question on the internet. Well, I mean, it, it might be DNA stuff. 
You know, it might be you got too high before the show. <laughs> Just throw a red ball when a lion's coming at you. See what happens. Hamilton Morris, this is a ridiculous show. I brought you on to. I apologize, but then again, I don't. <laughs> it's fun. I'm just kidding. Um, so, you you've been doing this uh, Vice dot com thing for how long, man? Since about 2007, 2008. Are you, is that full time your thing? No, I I work for other magazines as well. Also right, write writing for, and stuff. Like yeah, that. writing for Harper's as well. But Vice is the main. What was it like when you uh, you sat down with that uh, Shulgin character? What is that guy's name? Alexander Shulgin. Yeah, and he's like some crazy super chemist yeah, dude, right? Yeah, he's really brilliant. He's yeah, that was an amazing interview, dude. Yeah, and that was really difficult. You know, people kept like writing me saying, oh, you're so lucky, you're so lucky, but it was incredibly difficult to get that interview with him, and it took I'm years. Sure. So it wasn't like a luck thing. Like, Vibes was like, hey, we found a kooky guy for you to interview. Go right. visit him. I had to... I'd actually been to his house a couple times beforehand and I had to be vetted by his family and all these things because a lot of people don't understand what he does and uh, and he's harassed by people there's this ridiculous idea that inventors are somehow responsible for what is done with their creations so people think that if somebody dies of an MDMA overdose that he is somehow responsible for it which is of course totally ridiculous wow but you know that mentality. Yeah, there is that mentality, which is pretty silly. You know, the legalization of any of this stuff would require people to go over dosages and be scientific about it. And if it, if any of this stuff was legal, you know, look at if it was legal if you could just be prescribed, if it'd be prescribed if you could have a doctor that would say, you know, you're pretty sane. I think you could handle ecstasy. So he prescribes you a little ecstasy. Go have a party this weekend, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but I think using it as an adjunct to psychotherapy is not that far away. Well, do you think so? You really think they're going to accept that? They're certainly trying to. You know, that's yeah. The organization MAPS, that's pretty much what they do. Yeah, I've read that they've made great strides with people as well with post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, which is not surprising. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that MAPS does is just proving these things that most people understand intuitively, but it has to be demonstrated in a rigorous scientific fashion before any before regulatory authorities will accept it. Yeah, wow. It would really help a lot, no doubt about it. It would restructure society if if people would allow were allowed free use of psychedelics. Everyone looks at it as such a frivolous issue, like it's so silly. You know, like why 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 even concentrate on such things? What are you trying to do? You're trying to get high. You know, if you talk to most people about psychedelics, you feel like you're stuck in a 1950s movie. Uh, what are you trying to do with your life, kid? Yeah. What do you want to do? Mess with those mushrooms? Put that stuff down. Get yourself square. Get on a straight and narrow. Put the mushrooms down, boy. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, doesn't it seem like that? It's, a, it's not a subject that's easy to be approached seriously with adults. There's not a lot of them that'll engage you in it. In the regular world, you want to talk seriously about psychedelics and seriously about positive effects of them and mushrooms and... No, who, who wants to talk to you about that stuff? Yeah, I mean, now most of it has to be shrouded in scientific research. What if you is- were working for an insurance company? And you were like one of their top sales guys, but you're running around the office telling everybody they got to do acid, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
I guess I don't even really know what public perceptions. I mean, I have an idea, but it's so hard for me to go into like to really understand what it would be like in middle America or mm. something if you worked at just an insurance office. Well, I think it's different now everywhere because of the internet. I don't think there is necessarily a middle America that's the same middle America. There, there, there were some innocent parts of the country or countries where things were a little quieter or slower. But I, I think because of the access to information that people have today, I don't. Kids can learn a lot of shit online, and even if their environment sucks, they can develop and and be engulfed in whole communities online, and they can evolve like so much quicker. So there's like groups of people that evolve like in small towns now that would have they wouldn't have existed two three decades before, you know. I think that's that's like one of the big differences between now and you know i try to think about what it must have been like to be my parents to grow up you know the internet doesn't come along until you're like way too old <laughs> you, know, you barely getting into it you just go on cnn.com and check things and libraries what's the weather. were the big thing yeah. i remember going to the library all the fucking time like that was like the cool thing to do rent a movie go get a book libraries must be fucking hurting right now yeah. No, no, no. They're no. they're not doing as well as they've been doing before. I'm sure. My mom library think li- libraries are doing great. I think so. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, because so. there's yeah. The, I would just think that it's easier to get information without going to the library. Now. Yeah. My mom doesn't even go to a library anymore, and she would go like I mean, multiple times. Most a week. people have access to a computer. Yeah, but then there's all these subscription only services that are too expensive for right. people that are individuals to use. So it's like if you want to use Factiva or SciFinder or LexisNexis or any of these databases, scientific databases you have to go to a library or to use Wikipedia. Oh, right, right, yeah. of course. So if they're always going to exist in some form. Yeah, it would be too expensive otherwise. There's, reading books is a different experience than reading like a Kindle. I don't know why, man. I don't know why. Well, yeah, it's, just, it's kind of better. I don't know why, though. I don't know why I like turning pages. You know, I don't know why. I feel like I've I think actually it's got it with me. I think it's softer. I think once the, the technology know. gets up, which already is here, but once you get the technology, is where you can kind of feel like a cottony feel or, you know, like I, the I, mean, I, I use a Kindle. I use a Kindle. Right. I mean, I, I do have one of those things. But if I had to choose between that, like if I had the book and it was on the Kindle, I would take the book with me. I don't know why. Do you smell your books before you read them? No. You never, <laughs> you never smell your book before? Do you, do you ever smell your book? I have smelled books before. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Like, I, I like shouldn't say old books smells smell like book. a little musky. I shouldn't say I've never smelled. Like I, I like to smell when I'm Probably reading. Probably have. It's yeah. cool okay. until Kindle has that that ability to like hold in your hand and it, it's its own thing. Like that book was great and it smells a little weird until it has that kind of you know real feeling to it. Because right now it's just like you're looking at a piece of glass. Like the words are on, on the screen. It's it's you disconnect from the. The last used book that I bought was uh, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. Oh, it was yeah. the only way to buy it was used until Jan Irvin just re-released it. And uh, that, uh, did you, you've read that, right? I am familiar with it. I've read part of it. I haven't read it cover to cover. And I've read part of the second book as well. Um, what was that? The... It's like The End of the Road or something like that. It was The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, and then there was the other one was, God damn it. Turn Back Time? Something in the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Christian myth, something along those lines. Yeah, he had a whole career before Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. Is it just a yeah Bible scholar? Yeah, that's uh, that's the idea, and that he uh, he was the only one who believed that it was all about mushrooms. That the entire the, the the Christian religion, like a big part of it, was about 
fertility rituals yeah and mushrooms yeah but even that's you know i don't know if you're familiar with the book shroom by andy lechner or lechner no what's that oh it's good you should definitely check it out it's really shroom yeah it's a pretty impressive piece of research but he in the book and he goes through all these different mushroom myths but he talks about uh the sacred mushroom of the cross and claims that allegro never even believed that but that he was just so he hated christianity so much at that point in his career that he just was looking for some way to disprove it or dismiss it or make it look ridiculous in the public eye whoa that's awesome if that's true holy shit damn for part of me doesn't want it to be true because it's such a great story i really wish you could say look dude the bible was about dudes tripping on mushrooms and i really wish it could say that and that's what rick strassman is trying to do now with at least with the old testament and dmt where really what is he saying i saw him speak relatively recently and he said that he his new career goal is to go through all of the Old Testament looking for instances of altered states of consciousness that might be indicative of some kind of a DMT type experience. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, there was some, recently there was some uh, guy, um, uh, a scholar from Jerusalem that was proposing that about Moses and he was uh, that the Moses's encounter with the burning bush might have been some reference to the acacia bush, which oh, is yes. a very high DMT content. Right, absolutely, yeah. And that's how he saw God. Yeah, he's like a legit scholar. I forget the the gentleman's name, but he was a legit scholar who was bringing up this connection to possibly, you know, psychedelic experiences. Yeah, and then I've also heard a theory that the Ark of the Covenant was a meth lab. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's a fucking great quote. That's the kind of quote you hear and you go, damn, I wish I wrote that. Yeah. The Ark of the Covenant's a meth lab. Dude, do you ever hear those people that believe the Ark of the Covenant actually exists and it's in, um, what part of Africa is it? I don't know. I only know about it through Indiana Jones. Yeah, I've seen the photo of that temple in Africa. Is, is it Ethiopia? Is it Ethiopia? Uh, uh, I can't Nigeria. Remember. I can't remember. Graham Hancock was one of the guys who, uh, that's what got him interested in uh these uh alternative views of history there was i believe it was ethiopia and they have this uh area that's guarded and these 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 monks that's guarded that guard right and they supposedly have like a 20 year lifespan they have because the radiation and shit. is so yeah. powerful yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so sexy yeah, it's you know, really cool. wish I, it was true. You know, I, I really, I don't know if it's true, but I don't want anybody to disprove it. I think it's been investigated. I think the Discovery Channel or someone did a special. Oh, really? If they haven't, I wanted to do a, a VBS thing about why, it. What, what Hancock had said was that no one was ever allowed to get anywhere even close. Maybe that's possible. That's what he said, but... There's a map of it on Indiana Jones, too, during one of the cutaway scenes <laughs> where it shows, like, that the plane, you know, right. the dotted line. You just find it through there. I don't think it works that way, kid. He just completely interrupted my train of thought. Uh-huh. I don't know where I'm going now. You know Yinling? Have you ever heard of Yinling? What is Yinling? It's the America's oldest brewery, and it's in Pennsylvania. And it's really? used to be this beer that, living in Ohio, people I know would go to and stock up with truckfuls just so they could have it for like a year. Why? Uh, because it's you know it's really good. It, it really is. It's it's. it's Older than Budweiser. Budweiser came out, supposedly, stole their Eagle logo. You, is this a new sponsor that no, I no, know about that no. you worked into? Our- you can't even buy it here in California. Really? Uh, so so they stole the Eagle, and Budweiser stole the Eagle and used it in their logo. And uh, now Yin Lang decided to come to Ohio. 
the first week sold out the entire like like iPod style. Like there were, you could, they had to build a whole new thing on their factory just for Ohio now because I had and everywhere you went. Beer, that that's all everyone served everyone was drinking that it was like the craziest what? thing seeing in ohio when i went back home everybody was drinking this beer and it's fucking pretty good for just a, like a shitty cheap light beer but everybody was drinking that's how bad ohio sucks they get excited about some shit beer budweiser's hurting uh, they get though from so it. fired up <laughs> and they band together to support some shit beer budweiser's hurting from it how it, bad is that beer it's really good. Come on, Sam. I, I, I wish I could give you some, man. <laughs> you could probably get in Chicago. No, you probably can't get in I Chicago. I like Sam Adams. Is it like that? Uh, they, yeah, they have different kinds. They really? have like lights. They have loggers. They have, I mean, it's it's really good. Do you work for them? What's no, but it's the here? oldest brewery. It has to be the best. They're the ones that fucking, like the first one, you know. I don't know what's going on here. I think <sighs> he's I think he's broken into an impromptu commercial. <laughs> no, you'll like it. Try it. Really? If you okay. ever get the chance. All right. Pennsylvania. If I find out this is an impromptu commercial. It's not. I'm going to. I swear to God. <sighs> Here it is. Get, right it. get the fuck out of here. Don't play anything for no, me. No, no, it's just that's the beer right there. Okay, I believe it. How dare you? Never heard of it. I know, either did I. I don't give a fuck. I'm dude. just saying there's it, a fucking it, hundred taken, billion beers out there. It's crazy though. But the the Budweiser story was really interesting, I thought. Like no. how they took the the logo. That's and, the American Eagle, dude. Everybody wants an American Eagle. What about Goodyear tires? Don't they have an American Eagle too? Isn't there an American Eagle in there somewhere? What about them? No, is I mean, anybody you, else allowed to look, use the Eagle? Look, it's the same as Budweiser though. <laughs> wow, it's pretty close. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, there's a slight difference. Bud, Budweiser is the Led Zeppelin of beers. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Maybe they stole it from Budweiser. You don't know. Yeah. They've had it longest. Settled down, Budweiser son. wasn't even a company when they came out. Settled down, son. <laughs> Hamilton Morris, I apologize for everything. <laughs> everything you've experienced so far today in this uh, strange ride. Um, so um, you want to do this um, thing about isolation tanks. What's your uh, your goal? What are you trying to get out of this? Well, I'd like to use one of the tanks myself. I want to try specifically those tanks that you were talking about earlier that have some kind of an auditory and visual component. Yeah, he's got that all set up, man. Yeah, He's got it set up where um, he's got videos of it where they're using the sound and they're playing like music and you can see the waves in the water because the, the speakers are actually like floating in the water and they're they're like set up right by your head. And the waves are like making the water like splash and jump and wiggle. It's pretty fucking trippy, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty trippy to think that that's going to be also affecting your body while you're in there. You know, you're going to feel the sound on your skin. Yeah. Fuck yeah, you will. <laughs> you're gonna, yeah, you're going to hear it in your, in your ears and you're going to feel it in your skin. Because it's like moving, man. It's moving through the, all the water. The, the whole thing is rippling while they're doing this. It's, it's really interesting. pretty wild. And, wait, and you hear it because your ears are under the water? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, your ears are under the water. And yeah. it's not distorted by the water? I don't know. Huh. It could be on big notes. It's possible huh. if things like really splash around. Yeah. Well, what does that feel like? That's got to feel nutty. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, his idea, this guy Crash's idea, is that he's going to develop um, like how-to tutorials uh, for sports and for all sorts of different things, music, uh, language. They'll be able to teach people languages much quicker and that in the sensory deprivation environment, with the lack of external stimuli, your brain will be more focused. So yeah, it sounds like the lawnmower the man. <laughs> it does sound like the lawnmower man. You're right. It does. Does he do these nootropic injections beforehand or something like that that's what he should do right yeah. we got to give him some fucking nuclear shit it's like an x-men type situation 
Yeah. The, um, the, the idea behind it is fascinating. You know, the idea that you can program the mind better inside the sensory deformation state. It really makes a lot of sense. I mean, it seems like it would work that way. If you really get someone who really knew what they were doing to design, like, some cool programs. Yeah. You know, we think that would be, like, the best way to learn ever. Especially if you learn something cool, but it would be really Seems hard. like it would be distracting your concentration. Maybe. I mean, got, that's what I would think. Not if you got comfortable know. with it. See, the thing about the tank is once you do it for a long time, you know, you do it a couple times, like four or five times, once you, once you do it you know what it is, you can just settle right in. And once you settle right in, then it's not going to be distracting at all. It's going to be wild as fuck. Floating there, watching some just image appear right in front of you because you can't really see. The, the light is so dim that all that comes through is the actual image. You can't see the outline of the box. Have you ever been to one of those group massages where there's a shitload of people in <laughs> one room and then they're playing like like a movie that's on loop, like on the yes. wall of like a house, you know, in Asia somewhere? Right, uh, and like a birds flying. Yeah, birds through. flying. See, I find that annoy- uh, distracting. If it was yeah. just pitch dark, I think I would be better off. For sure. And I think that's how, like with when you're relaxing in one of these isolation things, any kind of, you know, sound or anything like that, that seems like it would be distracting. You're absolutely right. It would be. And I have never gotten into the uh, the video or audio thing. That's this guy crashes thing. I like to go in and just chill on my own. But I think it's fascinating. I mean, I'm not opposed to trying it. It sounds really nuts. And uh, if he could ever figure out how to, to really hook it up and do it right. I mean, what a great way to, like, learn a language or something. What a great way to, like, you know, could you imagine if you took, like, if you found out that you could develop a course specifically for use inside the isolation tank, like the optimum way to learn things and memorize things and put them to use, and you you show that you could make people learn Spanish ten times quicker or something fucking nutty like that. You or know? just show you wolves on loop at night, like, walking slowly. Yeah, <laughs> just to go too. against your fears and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you could really get it to the point where it becomes a hologram, that would be the ultimate entertainment experience, dude. You're living in a hologram. You lo- get in the isolation tank, and they just put whatever hologram you want on. Yeah. Okay, let's do the Amazon jungle. Boom. <laughs> That would be wild. That would be wild. And you get to watch like a, a movie. You get to watch a life take place in front of you. Sister Act 2. That's not what I'm talking about. You <laughs> in the jungle, <laughs> bitch. You're not even paying attention. That's what reality is going to be eventually. It's going to be, you know, op- you know you're know, you going to have options. You're going to be able to choose. What do you want to do today? I mean, eventually it's got to get to a point where we can construct reality. I mean, I know that they've, they've devised artificial realities for video games that look pretty fucking spiffy. You know, when you're watching a good video game, like, a, like what is it, like Medal of Honor or one of those games, is that, what is that the name of it? A Medal of Honor. Yeah, it's uh, one of them, right? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty. You watch those, those video games, like, that's, the graphics are fucking absolutely incredible. Yeah. How, how long is it before they can project that into your head? How long is it before, instead of looking at that amazing thing, someone figures out how to project it into your head? That's, that's going to happen. And when that happens, that's going to be an alternate reality. They're going to be able to program an alternate reality. And if, you, if your consciousness, if, if they can figure out a way to lock your consciousness onto that alternate reality, it's almost like putting you in another world. It's almost like putting you in another dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Is that possible? I think it is. Yeah. yeah that seems like what's going to happen, well, right? Primitive like, forms of it are already possible. And things like, you know, they have those implants for blind people that allow them to see with a camera that go 
oh where yeah the, i've heard about that directly into their brain jesus so you prob- can input yeah. visual stimuli into it's still the brain. it's still probably far away till everyone could do it like xbox 7 7200 or something right like it's like how we look at like the old cowboy style photographer dude who had to throw that thing over his head remember and he had the big torch on his hand and poof <laughs> and it would go off do you remember that like when like all the wild west movies the guy would like have to get under a tarp and shit to take a picture <sighs> yeah. do you remember all that and, and think about what that was. There was like there was no fucking movies. Like shut up. They could barely get an image. Everybody had to stand still. You know, you had to like really wait. Like how long did it take to take that picture? Yeah, it took a little time, right? Yeah, you, you couldn't just move around. It wasn't like instant. Think about that. Was only two hundred years ago. Right. That's amazing. That's fucking incredible. That is two hundred years ago, and now we're complaining. I wonder all the shenanigans that happened, like having to sit there with your family and then like one of the kids would fart and be like, don't move. Don't, you know, like there was probably all these like little things that always happened during those photos, you know, standing still. There was probably some humor that that was lost and that we we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. How long did they have to hold their face? (laughs) Right. I like there a lot of blurry pictures from the old. Oh, yeah. Usually the kids. That's why the kids are always the blurriest. And all those ghost photos as well. Oh, yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Because people would walk in and out of the frame. It's usually just a maid. Nothing drives me crazier than fucking ghost TV shows, man. I watch those ghost TV shows, and I just go, you're not going to find anything. Why are you <sighs> fucking with me? You, you never find anything. Yeah. There's never been a bigger cock tease than the ghost reality genre and they're on like season three or something like that it's like look and you can see this ectoplasma enters the room it's like a speck on the screen it's like this this is where the ectoplasma enters the room this is where the what the fuck did you say like you asshole you don't have a fucking ghost you're ghost hunting you're not finding shit shut up every fucking show is the same thing there's some people in a dark room watching something through night vision and someone goes, what was that noise? And then they go to commercial, and they come back, and it's nothing. Right. It's ridiculous. My mom, my, uh, I just got back from Ohio. My, my, my mom's house is supposedly haunted. Like, 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 my sister used to always talk about it, and then my mom is now talking about it. And my stepdad, he's like a, you know, owned an architect firm. Like, he's a really smart guy, you know, huge corporation this guy had, and then he retired. And he's a farmer, you know, he's just a very intelligent guy. And he said he saw it the other day. Whoa! And then so it's just like, are, all right, are you guys stupid? Maybe or he's fucking your is mom. Is there a gas leak or a mining <laughs> leak somewhere that's giving you? Some I think drug? more likely he's fucking your mom. Right. That's what I would say. That's my. Or what if, if, if if you came to me? Okay. What if there was like a sour well near my mom's <laughs> like, house? It's in the farm. What's you know? going on here, man? I say, well, she's probably a little wacky. Yeah. I think there must be something, some kind of feeling. He's going along with her. Radon gone bad. There might be, man. You know, you you, you, you grew up in a test house. <laughs> yeah, we're having a radon test. little radon test radon that you in your basement. Yeah. Do you remember? How yeah. about the shit that was on apples? Oh, yeah. What was that? that? that uh, what was that? That chemical they used to spray that fertilizer on? Is that what you're talking about? I don't about? remember. There was a, something that was on apples that were saying it was dangerous for right. you. Right. Do you remember that? No. Fuck, shit. What was it? And I was, I don't remember what the fucking chemical was. I'm sure Twitter will let me know. Right. Twitter. Somebody, please tell me what's the fucking chemical. Was what, it what? all something or another? Oh. All something. Do you remember something like that? I know exactly what you're talking about. Whatever. <sighs> My dad actually has a patent to get radon out of your basement. That like he used to build these machines for rich guys. That would, like only he only sold like maybe fifty of them. No, radon gas is totally not legit. 
No, it it, it is. It, it is. is legit. Yeah, it's definitely an element. But I mean, it's. I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> just sorry. I should have phrased it much better. In in people's homes, is it a, a, a health issue? Is it something they really have to worry about? I don't think so. I don't know. I've never heard of anyone I knew dying of radon poisoning. But um, how did it get brought up? Do you know? How did it become an issue? I guess some people died somewhere. Whoa. At some point, they must have. And it does exist. It is a element that leaks out of the earth and is a radioactive gas that's nasty. So it's just a natural part of. Yeah, no, the it's earth? not a result of nuclear testing or anything like that. It's a totally natural wow. element. So do you think that people died because there's just some areas where it would just come through in, in heavy doses and no one anticipated it? Is that what it was? I think it's heavier than oxygen, if I remember correctly and sort of like settles on in basements and maybe uh, near floors and people sleep in pools of it and just Whoa. and you can get radon poisoning but you know it's, it starts in your respiratory system and then you just start like wheezing and coughing a lot and shit like that Wow, and it's actually pretty crazy that it was so popular, but then it, it just died off. Like they, we're still probably getting this. They, did, did they find something new? Like oh, by the way, radon poisoning is actually it's just passing. Oh, now it's all about carbon yeah. monoxide. Yeah. Well, you know, all it takes is like one death somewhere, and then all of a sudden everybody starts chasing after it. I mean, it could have been one extreme example that was very, very rare. And then everybody started chasing it. And it's sensationalist stories. If you have one good story about someone dying from some invisible chemical. Or even a drug. Yeah, or there you go, even a drug. I won Pennsylvania, too. Highest ones. That's why that beer is so good. Isn't it amazing, man, when you, when you stop and think about that so many of the different things that you, you've talked about are not legal, you know, the, the different psychoactive substances. Like when you were talking to... Uh, that uh, Shulgin guy, like all the different things that he was talking about, the different tryptamines, and how many of them are legal? A lot of them are illegal, right? Illegal? Yeah. Uh, 5-MeO-DIPT, DMT, A DET, lot of them are. Maybe 11 or 12 of them. Maybe more. Probably about a dozen tryptamines are illegal. Schedule 1. Um, yeah, no, it's ridiculous. And a lot of them never had any real popularity in the first place. Drugs like DOET or something, or TMA2, were never particularly popular substances. Could you imagine if something like 5-MeO-DMT killed as many people a year as cigarettes does? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Could you imagine how people would react? What a crisis that would be. We've got to get this off the streets. <laughs> Could you imagine? But meanwhile, when cigarettes do it, it's like, well, you shouldn't have been smoking. Yeah, whoops, whoops. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if nicotine would be legal if it were a recently discovered substance. Probably not. I don't think the nicotine is not as much of an issue. I think there's the other. I think a lot of it is all the other shit they put in them to make it even more addictive. They say that if you you uh, smoke cigars, you know, people that smoke cigars, first of all, you're not inhaling it, but you're getting like a real pure like type of tobacco. Uh -huh. you know, it doesn't have chemicals on it, and it's supposed to be not nearly as bad for you. It's not great for you. It's not the best thing for you. You're sucking on a a crazy fucking plant that gives you nicotine all day. But what it is is a better, healthier version of that tobacco and that the 599 different additives that the Food and Drug Administration allows cigarette companies to pump into cigarettes to just to make them, mostly make them more addictive, I think. Yeah. If you believe that movie with, what's his name? What's Homeboy's name? Fucking Gladiator Dude? What's Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Remember that movie? He oh, played a, no, yeah. a dude who was like the scientist who uh, knew too much about cigarettes yeah. based on a real story. Yeah. That was terrifying. If any of that stuff in that movie was... I can't even remember the, mo the movie's name or the actor's name. 
But they don't even need to. I mean, nicotine is incredibly addictive without any kind of mysterious additives. But yeah. there's, there's also the beta-carbolines in tobacco that may give it an additional addictive component because they may improve mood. When that movie he was talking about, and again, I don't know how much that movie is dramatically. I think it's based on a real story, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to him. I remember that's, it. I, that's my I, source. I, I remember it being based on it. It was, it was like terrifying, Phil Morris though. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was terrifying to think that a company would be so evil that they would go out of their way to try to use chemists to make their shit more addictive. And you're like, wow, like that's a, that's a really nutty choice. 599 is a lot. You find out they have 599 different chemicals they add to cigarettes? Yeah, it's weird. A lot of the additives don't really even make sense. I've looked through the lists. I don't really? understand why they like, choose some of these like things. Like what? Like pyridine. Or, yeah, pyridine would be an example. What is pyridine? It's an aromatic six-membered ring with a nitrogen in it that, um, that is, just smells really bad. Whoa. And you wouldn't think that it would have any... Maybe to counterbalance. It's just tons of stuff. It's like all these different... It just, just smells weird. bad? That's all it does? As far as I know, in the quantities that they would be using it, I can't. I mean, maybe it's like a, in a really, you know, in the same way that like indole in very, very, very small quantities smells like jasmine, but then in large quantities smells like shit. So some of these things that smell bad, it's probably used for smell to to yeah. sell a cigarette. Like when a smoker what? doesn't smoke and they smell a cigarette, you want a cigarette bad. What? Yeah. Really? A hundred percent. It's like having apple pie. When apple pie comes out of the oven and you smell apple pie, you're like, fuck, I want that apple pie. Same reason. They're probably making a smell. Well, I don't know if they're making it to attract other people, but they're probably making it more attractive to the people that are smoking it. Right. It's weird that it'd be a stinky thing. You say a stinky thing. It's probably a mixture of different kinds of stinky things that make the smell. So some of them are just smells. and so Who the fuck knows? You know, like I said, according to the Russell Crowe movie that I can't even remember the title. Right. They like done some deep research on hooking people in deeper and deeper with all these different 599 chemicals. Just ridiculous. That's too many. Yeah. That's a lot. It's very complicated. It's ridiculous. Even when you're looking at the interaction of two chemicals at once, it becomes incredibly complicated. How do you think they constructed that? I mean, you're, you understand that field. How did they do that? I, have, I mean, I'd have to look through the list of all the additives, but I don't know. I mean, it could just be, you know, even things like any candy that any child eats probably has an equivalent number of different chemicals in it. Um, you know, people, the, the word chemical always sounds bad. Like there's 599 chemicals, but there's, I guarantee 599 chemicals in this, in everything, in everything. Yeah. So it depends on how you want to phrase it. I don't, I'm sure the majority of those chemicals are benign, but maybe 11 of them do have some malevolent function and uh, are based on some tobacco industry plan to addict people. But I, I really do think that nicotine in and of itself would be enough. I think. You think. Um, those did people that smoke those natural cigarettes, those like, in, what are they, American, American spirits? spirits. Yeah. Do they uh, experience less addiction? No. Uh, no, actually, I, I I think those hit me harder. Like really? I wake up spitting up like buckets of goobs, you yeah. know, like just, really? just like hacking yeah, My roommate lungs. smokes them, and is it just a major phlegm producer? Maybe yeah. it's like uh, maybe some of the chemicals that cigarettes make make it so that it burns easier. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like m- like what most people ha- smoke, I would say, is Marlboro Lights or Camel Lights or a light cigarette, and it's m- more like having a Diet Coke. It's just mm-hmm. like you know, you just want a little taste of the chemical and a little smoke, but you're not. But then you get these guys that are like smoking Marlboro Reds, where it's like having your little cigars. You know, it's like harsh. It's. Have you ever seen the the wonderful whites of uh, West, West Virginia? Virginia? No. You've never seen it. What is it? 
it's a crazy documentary that uh, they did on these uh, people that live in West Virginia that have been this notorious family of outlaws and wild people. And there was a, a woman, and uh, her name was Sue Bob. And I swear to God, that was her voice. I was always been a sexy one in the family. And just go, <laughs> and you just stop and think about that. So, what did cigarettes do to her, man? What did cigarettes do to her? Nobody sounds like that when they're a woman without cigarettes. Like, it's only cigarettes that'll give you that. I mean, maybe some crazy exotic disease. But yeah, this Sue Bob. <laughs> That's what she sounds like. It's amazing. If you've never seen it, man, if you just want something silly to watch, it's so well made. It's a beautiful documentary. It's pretty good. It's Johnny Knoxville's production company put it together. It's okay. really awesome. It's about this family. They're just awesome characters, man. They just live in West Virginia, and they sell pills, and they're just always getting arrested. It's just wild, man. It's so crazy to watch. It's really, really fun. But cigarettes fuck that chick's voice up. You see, mm-hmm. you, did you? We didn't talk about that. That guy that uh, what's his Mick Fanny, Mick Fanny, whatever that guy's name is, that's running for president in the marijuana. Uh, Mitt Romney, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Wait, what's his name? Mitt Romney, Mitt man. Romney. All right, Mitt yeah, Romney, about him and the dude. marijuana patient. We remember we were going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that's we, crazy. Uh, I talked to you about it yeah. before we even did the show. It was so it was so sad to watch someone that could be so calloused about his ideas like that when some. If you haven't seen it, Mitt Romney, a guy who's running for president, a very, very wealthy man, is standing in front of this dude in a wheelchair. The guy's like 80 pounds, man. I think he said he had muscular dystrophy. I apologize if I'm, if I'm wrong about that. But, you know, he said to Mitt Romney that he needs medical marijuana and that medical marijuana is the only thing that, that helps him. And Mitt Romney said, uh, have you tried the synthetic form? And he said it... It makes me vomit, and marijuana is the only thing that helps me. Would you put me in jail if you became president? Do you want to hear is, it? Sure. Let's play it. Let's see if it sounds good. I know yeah, let's sounds see if it sounds shitty. good. It's, it's really depressing. I think it's an old video that just, really? that just became popular. Really? Okay. It's so depressing. Um, I suffer from an extremely rare type of muscular dystrophy, and I have to take medication for all that. Right now, I weigh less than 80 pounds. I have all my life. Um, I have support of five of my doctors saying that I am living proof that medical marijuana works. I am completely against legalizing it for everyone, but there is medical purposes for it. And you, and you have synthetic marijuana that's available and other pain It medication. makes me sick. I have tried it and it makes me throw up. I have tried all the medications there are and all the forms that come in after high stimulators or steroids. I have muscular dystrophy that's completely against my DNA. I'm sorry to hear my, that. Uh, my question for you is, will you arrest me and my doctors if I get medical marijuana? I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not in favor of medical marijuana, man. So will you have me arrested? Hi. How are you? He just turned away from him and did the politician smile. Hi, how are you? How dare you? You asked if you were going to arrest patients like him, Governor. You're going to just ignore a person in a wheelchair? I spoke with him. I know, but he didn't answer his question. All right, well, this is going to so disturbing. Yeah, this is what we're getting. Hamilton Morris, I think you got a good voice and you should run for president. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you could pull this off. Yeah. Why not? All right. Do it. I don't think he's enthusiastic about it. <laughs> he didn't yeah. seem that uh, I feel patronized about it. <laughs> it's, it's shocking, though, isn't it, that a person like that could be like even close, remotely close to being able to run things? That, that you would be 
so cold-hearted just walk away from that dude like that that's like right. a serious issue man you gotta address that issue this guy's telling you there's something that helps him and he's obviously in terrible terrible straits the guy's fucked up man he's he just can't move his body he's in a goddamn wheelchair and he's telling you this something happens against his yeah. against his you know own will you know yeah. he, this is this is something that he's saying that helps him makes him feel happy against his pain yeah and he even said i'm not for legalizing it for anybody yeah. He goes, not for everybody, but for people that you can use it for medical purposes, it works. Yeah, it's that, 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 hey, you can just walk away from a guy like that. You know, it's just, it's just disturbing that anybody would be so flippant with the idea that it's, it's, so, it's so preposterous, it's so gross to them for some fucking reason. I don't know what it is, but the idea of altering your consciousness any way other than the sanctioned ways that we've prescribed to for the last, you know, several decades. Anything that steps outside of that becomes a danger. I don't know why, man. Mm -hmm. Why? You tell me, man. I don't know. It's so, I mean, it's not a majority view, I don't think. I think it had to do with a few people who, you know, when you think about it, it only takes a few people to make these enormous changes in drug policy. Uh, I, like, I don't know all that much about the history of marijuana specifically, but it was like that one guy primarily. And then with the psychedelics, it's the same kind of deal. It takes one person to die at the wrong time. And, you know, one person dies after smoking salvia, the guy Brett Chidester, and then it's illegal over... 10 states. A dude died smoking salvia? No, he didn't even die. I mean, there was, there was a, a teenager right. named Brett Chidester who wrote in his diary, I love salvia, it, uh, it, but I also understand that life has no meaning now, or something like that. And then a few days later, he killed himself, and his mother looked in his diary and said, oh, it was the salvia that made him suicidal, and went on this crusade to have it banned in every state that she could, and was successful in something like a, a dozen states. Wow. It's called Brett's Law. Wow. Yeah. But that's the way it always is. It's always one person that there's like the that act based on the person that bought morphine on the internet and overdosed. It just takes one promising... All the mushrooms in the Netherlands are now illegal because of Gael Karoff, the girl that jumped off the bridge. Just one uh, promising person whose photo looks good on the news dies and... That's the end of a what plant. What did she do? She got mushroomed up and jumped off the bridge? Even that's unclear. I mean, that was the the official idea that was written in the news. But then when I was in Holland recently working on this new project for VBS, we were at this place called uh, Magic Truffles, which is the largest mushroom, or was the largest mushroom farm in Holland. They make metric tons of mushrooms in this factory. and But then mushrooms became legal, so they converted their entire operation to producing psychedelic sclerotia but they say the whole thing is a scam they think that uh that she wasn't even on mushrooms that the entire thing is based on a friend seeing her with a box of mushrooms in her hand but on the day of the death and then they put two and two together and decided that she must have been on mushrooms when she died oh god so she could have just been depressed yeah i don't think there are any toxicology reports that confirmed she was under the influence of any psilocybin at the time <sighs> I can get not wanting to give it to everybody. I just think there should be places where you can get it where someone can walk you through it. And you should be able to make an educated choice. There's just so many people shouldn't be denied the experience because I think the experience makes people more aware and more sensitive. And I only think that that's good. I think the world can use a lot more aware and more sensitive. So why aren't there centers set up? Why is it still illegal? That's where it gets completely, totally ridiculous. It gets to the point where you, you keep something that might be beneficial to a lot of people because some people might fuck it up. 
Because some people might fuck with it and do something crazy. I mean, it also has to do with fashion and science and medicine. You know, it became very unfashionable in the 80s to do psychedelic psychotherapy. And, uh, and there were only a number, even in places like I think there were certain parts of Germany where any, any psychiatrist that wanted to could, and they chose not to just because most people weren't interested in it for a while. They thought it had limited potential. And now I think the potential is, you know, there's the renewal of all the psychedelic research. But in the 80s, uh, people didn't think it was even people that were pro psychedelic drugs. They just didn't, a lot of them didn't necessarily think that it was a viable road to, to producing important neuroscientific research or in terms of psychotherapeutic drugs. Yeah, I, I recall uh, hearing a McKenna interview where he was talking about that, about how scientists were often like discouraged from going down those paths because people would say, like, you know, there's not really nothing there for you. Well, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to. It's difficult to quantify the benefits of psychedelic drugs. Like a lot, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that they have lasting effects on people's lives and that they have, you know, relief from depression or alcoholism or things like that. But when it comes down to really, really putting it down on paper. It's been difficult, and often it's things like the Johns Hopkins study where psilocybin occasions long-lasting mystical experiences or, or that, that famous paper. Uh, That's the really recent one, right? Yeah, the recent one's yeah. getting a huge amount of press. But it's, it's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, it just, they said that it improved their personalities. Yeah. But even that is is kind of slippery when it's you know mystical experience. All sure. these terms are, are slippery, and if you you know when you look at a nootropic, there's these very defined studies of how something does it aid rodents in navigating a maze? Does it allow them to? Does it allow? Uh, you know, does it prevent the formation of certain types of diseases, tangled proteins in the brain, or things that that are indicative of neurodegenerative diseases. Um, but there isn't anything like that for psychedelics. There's no single benefit that can be quantified. And, uh, and I think that's one reason that it's difficult for researchers. Is, is, and, then, and there's ways around it. With it. Now a lot of people try to emphasize the positive effects that are not necessarily psychoactive. So maybe they have some kind of an immunosuppressant effect that would be useful for, uh, for arthritis or some kind of... Uh, inflammatory disease or something like that. That's funny that you said that because there was something I was reading just a couple of days ago about people juicing cannabis and that uh, it, it doesn't have any psychoactive effects, but there's a lot of like great health benefits for, Absolutely. for juicing it. Yeah, right? and, and CBD, yeah. the non-psychoactive uh, terpene, one of, you know, there's THC and CBD are the two main chemicals in so it. would you uh, juice it like a smoothie like blend it up oh i don't know about this i don't know about this specific technique but cbd is not psychoactive and has all kinds of uh medicinal effects like it's currently undergoing clinical trials as a treatment for schizophrenia so i mean in addition to the psychedelic effect there may be all kinds of things we can't you know maybe neuroregenerative maybe synaptogenic maybe all sorts of different things the marijuana one is the biggest trip because it's got so many excellent properties yet it's illegal it makes the best paper it makes the best clothes like the fiber is excellent you can make like wallboard out of it that's like four times stronger than plywood it's like a really incredible plant because it's super strong like have you ever like picked up a hemp stalk it's really weird man it's like from another planet because it's really fucking strong but it's light as shit like you pick it up and it's like this is a weird kind of wood it, it seems strange and it has so much fucking potential as far as like you could like you can grow like a, a, a massive forest full of it 
chop it all down and then have another massive forest like six months later or a year later. I mean, it's, it's renewable. You, can, you could do it over and over again. And all the health benefits. All the, it's like it's from another planet. It's really a crazy drug when you think about all the good things it does. It's great. It had, the seeds are awesome source of protein. It has all the essential amino acids. It's actually good for you if you juice it. If you smoke it, you get high, you feel amazing. It's like it couldn't do any more for you. Come on, man. You can make paper out of me. You want to make clothes out of me. Dude, you can eat my oil. My oil is really good for you. Ooh, it can power cars too. It's like I'm renewable every six months. I mean, it's like it couldn't be any nicer to you. It couldn't be any more of a, a, a productive plant, you know, as far as like society just uses as, uh, you know, as a quantity, as, you know, uses as, a, 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 you know, something that you could sell. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same thing with mushrooms as well. They have so many benefits beyond just being vessels for carrying these psychoactive drugs. You know, I think Paul Stamets did a lot of experiments with the Defense Department using either P-cyanessins or azorescins and using them to dephosphorylate sarin to break down nerve gases um, oh. because in the same way that all these enzymes in the mycelium that are able to break down the cellular components of the substrate, whether it's you know wood or grass or some kind of seed, it's able to break it down and extract all these amino acids and then biosynthesize chemicals out of it. But uh, but it can also break down all other kinds of substrates. Like you know, there's all this bioremediation where they use mushrooms to clean up oil spills because the mushroom mycelium is able to break down the aromatic hydrocarbons in the oil and to totally detoxify it. You can even eat the mushrooms afterwards. Wow. Yeah. I'd heard about something like that that yeah. they'd use things like that in Alaska. Is yeah. that what they'd experienced yeah. that? Where, where that that was the before the Gulf incident. That was like the last big one, right? Yeah, they tried a bunch, and they wanted to do it in Japan as well to to clean up radioactive waste because you can really? use the mushrooms to bioaccumulate radioactive fallout and then pick the mushrooms and slowly decontaminate an area. I mean, it's an extremely slow way to do it, but also effective. Wow! It would take hundreds of years. Well, what other options are there? I mean, that's the thing. Can you imagine if that's the best way to do it. <laughs> But then once you get the mushrooms to eat it, and then you have to pick up the mushrooms, the mushrooms are still radioactive, right? That's right. For how long? Until the you know, decay of the radioactive atoms. And so whatever they're hundreds happening. of thousands of years. On, yeah, if it's so it's essentially just moving the problem to another area. Yeah, but at least you're concentrating it. It's better to have all, like a 20 drums of radioactive mushrooms in a concrete vault somewhere than to have it covering 100 miles of land. Yeah, that Japan thing is so terrifying to me because I have no understanding whatsoever of how nuclear power works. I just always took it for granted. Yeah. I never even thought about it. I never, and then I just recently found out that it's about making steam. It's about like the, the somehow or another, the, yeah. the nuclear thing, it's like the power comes from steam, like powers things and yeah, shit. steam turbines. Yeah, steam turbines. I'm like, wow, that seems like so old school. You know, it's just they're yeah. using like this super powerful fire to boil water. Yeah. You know, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. I mean, my, my simplification of it sounds ridiculous. But when you find out that there's spots now where there's just, it's, no one's ever going to be able to go there. No one, you can't go there. You can't go there. That spot's fucked. For forever, for we probably won't even be people anymore, because you know, hundred thousand years ago, we weren't even this, right? We were like barely this as a, as an organism. We're we're essentially a little bit more of a monkey than we are now. By the time that shit's done, what are people going to be like? By the time that's not radioactive anymore, we're not even going to be people anymore. 
We'll probably be some new shit. We all have autism, and, it's, and we'll and probably be just like the Grays, like dude. We're just crazy. Something connected to the grid. Trippy's gonna happen. We're gonna be assimilated with the machine. Yeah, that's my my conclusion. Yeah. yeah. Assimilated with the machine. What do you think is going to happen? Something's going on. I don't know. I mean, I I don't. You don't think about it. I do think about it. I just don't. It's difficult. It's, right. Anything seems possible. It's just like with any any issue where it seems as if it could go one way. I certainly am a pessimist ultimately, and I'd like to be an optimist. Are you a pessimist as far as the potential that the human race can reach, or is you, you about the possible outcomes, or are you? A pessimist about people in general? I don't know. I mean, I got into an argument with uh, Daniel Pinchbeck recently about... Really? Yeah, yeah. About, about aliens. And he has this very optimistic idea that if aliens... He were, told me ghosts definitely exist. Yeah, he, he believes a lot of things that I... Definitely Yeah, says. I know he's very open-minded. <laughs> he's uh, very open-minded. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed talking to him before we say any further. Oh, yeah, no. I yeah. enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, I'm just playing. Yeah. But uh, so, so what happened? Aliens. We were talking about Stephen Hawking and, and and how Stephen Hawking has this idea that if we ever do make contact with aliens, the best move would be to ignore them because if we, if they ever come to our planet, the chances are they're not only going to exploit us but destroy us. And I mean, he didn't say it in exactly those words, but he generally has a a pessimistic view, and I think that that's a well informed, intelligent view. There's no sure. reason to have an optimistic view about that. But Daniel Pinchback seems to have this idea that. Uh, that you know, we'll altruistic all, we'll aliens, all be friends, and we'll all drink ayahuasca together. Oh, that's together. so sweet. Yeah. That's so sweet. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> if you look at if you look at every single organism that we can observe on this earth, it takes advantage of the weaker organisms, including the most intelligent. We take advantage of dolphins. We put them in Absolutely. fucking this is exactly fish what I was tanks. Saying as well, yeah. Yeah. we look at killer whales. We don't give a fuck. We put we lock them up in tanks. We know they're intelligent. We just can't understand them, and so we force them into slavery. And that's not mentioning humans to humans, right. the conquistadors. Sure. We we Americans. we we but with with animals that we don't understand, intelligent animals that we understand, we regularly enslave them for people's enjoyment to watch on television. And then we believe somehow or another that some super intelligent organism is going to show different behavior than what every single organism on this earth, including the highest us, the most aware us, we do it worse than any of them. We do it worse than dolphins. We do it worse than killer whales. We have chimps. We lock chimps up. We don't give a fuck. We Even my humane people, people that love the yeah. chimps still keep them in, or people that love Chimps keep them in cages. People yeah. love dolphins. Keep them in tanks. Don yeah. Lily kept his dolphins in a tank. Yeah. Um, so even if they were trying to be nice to us, who's to say that it wouldn't be some nightmarish? It's fucking hell scenario. for that dolphin, man. It's got to be hell. They're they're intelligent. They're just they just can't change their environment. We know they have dialects and they have crazy like societal rules and you know dolphins have there's this they have a huge attachment to their family and their loved ones to just snatch one up and stick it in a fish tank is fucked up. But we do it. <laughs> Why would we think that aliens wouldn't do that to us? We are crazy. Could you imagine <laughs> if you came down here and you watched all these little pink monkeys with their fucking bang sticks and nuclear weapons? You found out that people had nuclear weapons. You know, you see them at home slack-jawed watching the Kardashians. We have nuclear weapons. The same animal. You know, the same animal. And it's all going on right now. If yeah, but the aliens are probably cute. It's you like, came oh, here and you, an alien, you would, you would want to shut this whole fucking show down. You'd be like, you're going to ruin this whole planet, you stupid fucks. You would want to come here. We would for sure shut this planet down. If we came into an area and there was a bunch of chimps, and the chimps had machine guns and tanks, and we would shut that fucking place down. There's no way we're going to let some chimps start running shit. 
We would take all their weapons. We'd go, Jesus Christ, who gave chimps these fucking tanks? Why did, what are chimps doing flying around in jets? We would totally steal their shit. We would never allow that. Imagine if chimps started coming into our towns and stealing our cars and shit. That would be a real issue. We wouldn't allow that. We would take our shit. Take from those dumb monkeys. And that's what they would do. They would come down. They would steal our cars. Fucking all our iPhones. Give me that. How'd you figure this out, you fucking dummy? They would take your iPhone. Whoa, check you out. Look what you did. Did you figure this out? Think about the average person, how stupid they are, and they have an iPhone in their pocket. Boom. And they don't know how to use it. Yeah. So Pinchbeck thinks they would all go ayahuasca style? Yeah. They would have a song prepared. Hello, humans. We want to, we prepared this for you. Let's, and then after, we will eat at the buffets. The Day the Earth Stood Still the other day. Have you ever seen that? I have, but not since I was a child. Whew, wow, it was amazing. Yeah. It was like I was watching... A movie, it was kind of cool. You know, it's kind of cool because, you know, you put yourself back into that sort of like old school comic book st style of storytelling they did in the 50s and the innocent days when they made that movie. But the other thing was like, how naive, like the, the portrait of like an alien, what it would be and, you know, just how naive the situation was in the military and there's, there's every obvious bad guys and good guys. Like how naive, but yet... How, how, you know... Well, even now, there's really no impressive concept of aliens. That's what, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with this science fiction writer, Stanislaw Lem, but he wrote Solaris and His Master's Voice and all these books, and his main idea is that humans can't conceive of anything that is truly alien. We're only looking for ourselves in the universe, and anything that was truly unlike us, we couldn't even imagine. Right, so even, like, the movie Alien still is a thing that Not moves even like us. You know, it could be a living ocean. Right, yeah. Um, or a living planet, right? A planet with consciousness? Yeah. That's always been a, a fascinating idea that everything has some sort of consciousness, you know, whether or not it expresses pain or even feels it or can't communicate that everything has some sort of a, a type of consciousness well definitely our idea of life is generally very narrow you know there's like a, a budding field of astrobiology which is just a, a speculative science but even in, in astrobiology textbooks from a couple of years ago there would be no mention of the possibility that uh that arsenic could replace phosphorus and biomolecules it didn't even seem like a possibility and now we know that that can happen how does that work what, what happens um there was like a, a lake, I think it's in Nevada, that had extremely, extremely high levels of arsenic in the water. And this researcher, whose last name was Felice, I think, uh, collected bacteria from the lake and found that they were producing DNA and amino acids where the phosphorus atom that's present in a lot of these molecules was replaced by arsenic. Whoa. Yeah. I had arsenic poisoning from eating sardines. I told you that, right? Yeah. I ate too many sardines. I was eating like a can of sardines a day. You're so funny. Who does that? No one. Why? You're the only person I've like ever sardines. met that likes sardines that Wait, much. Are they a, a good source of arsenic? Why? Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently, sardines um, they're um, a, they feed on heavy metal. Oh, okay. uh, well, they don't feed on heavy metal, but they feed at the bottom of the ocean, and that's where a lot of uh, pollution is. A lot yeah. of the heavy metal pollution, and uh, they they get a, a concentration of arsenic, not enough to really to make you sick, but enough that shows up on tests. So you get your blood checked and you say, holy shit, there's some arsenic in there. What the fuck is going on? Like, is someone trying to kill me slowly? Or is it sardines? Turns out it was sardines. Hmm. I wonder if you could get turquoise point like poisoning. Like if you like constantly ate a little bit of turquoise every day. Like if that is turquoise toxic? I don't know. It's you know, a stone. 
Yeah, but if you like shaved it down into a powder and put it in like some proteins and stuff. I don't know. I don't know what the chemical composition of turquoise yeah. is, but <laughs> you just don't study shit that doesn't get you fucked up. No, I do. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> I mean, what is the best thing ever? It's so pretty. Maybe have they? That's that's a terrible question, but it leads to a <laughs> half decent one. Have, do you think they've discovered all the psychedelic substances on Earth, or do you think oh, there's absolutely some? Absolutely not. No, definitely really? not even close. Wow. And I was in my first saw Alexander Shulgin's work and saw Pecall, I was discouraged by it because I thought that it had all been done, that every single possible psychoactive tryptamine and phenethylamine had already been synthesized. And for people who don't know, Pecall is, uh, what is it that I know? Phenethylamines I've known and loved and tryptamines I've known and loved. And there are these two enormous thousand plus page books written by a chemist in California named Alexander Shulgin. And they contain at least about a hundred drugs that he's synthesized in these two chemical classes in each volume and it looks pretty comprehensive it looks as if he's evaluated every imaginable psychedelic but that's only a fraction of what's possible i love that interview that you had with the man because i had never seen a guy like that in the wild you know i'd never seen a, some super chemist dude who's created like god knows how many combinatory so i mean how many times has he created something some new cool thing or discovered some new cool thing just how hundreds many, yeah how many has he documented it's amazing right enormous enormous numbers Incre- incredible yeah. and then he's sitting there just rattling all this information off to you and you were like a fucking kid in a candy store mm-hmm. you no, could tell yeah. you were like wow like you couldn't believe you were hanging out with him yeah it was so cool the the enthusiasm like it really came through like the the your honest enthusiasm to be hanging around with this guy it really you had uh uh, an educated sense of reverence about what he's done so it's like when you addressed all these things like you could tell that you had like this great joy in getting this opportunity to talk to that guy oh yeah it was really cool yeah no I, I love him with a passion he is one of the most amazing scientists that's how ever can people lived. watch that what is it where how can they find that what is it uh if you type Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, that's the name of my show on VBS. Um, you can find it on vice.com through the video section if you just look for Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's in it. And I've seen him quite a few times since then, and it really is a privilege because his entire methodology is one that's not followed anymore. It's like, it, it seems very antiquated to most young people and even pharmaceutical researchers. The idea that that uh, anyone would take a drug that they synthesized is ridiculous, but that used to be totally normal. That used to be the way drugs were developed. Um, the chemist who invented Ritalin uh, took it after he synthesized it and tried it and didn't really get much from it. And then he gave it to his wife, Rita, and she loved it and said that it improved her tennis game, and so he named it after her, Rita Lynn. Oh, wow. Yeah, but that kind of thing was common. It improved her tennis game. Yeah. Because it's essentially like speed, right? Yeah, it's like cocaine or how does that work with kids where it makes them you know kids who are really rowdy it calms them down how the fuck does that work i mean there's a a bunch of different proposed mechanisms that are kind of complicated but um i don't really know how it works that's always been i've I've met a couple kids that are on ritalin and it's always been a very dark Uh. sort of a, a moment when you realize that these people are drugging their kid you know, and I, I don't know if some people need it, but I, I know some people don't need it. I've seen some kids that are just a little bit rowdy and they need attention. They're not getting it. And then all of a sudden they're pilled up. That's a disturbing thing to watch. Yeah, I think it's bad, with, especially with very young children around high school, college age. I, especially I mean, when the mom crushes it down, they snort it. <laughs> yeah, like in, uh, like in the wo- Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, the Wild and Wonderful Whites. They were snorting pills as after, right after she gave birth. 
She gave birth. Right, she's in the hospital. In the hospital pills. You remember that? Yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Maybe I have seen some of this actually. Dude, it's fucking fabulous. Yeah. It's like watching if you, you know, turned monkeys loose and let them live amongst people. How would they live? They would live like these people. These people are wild. They're fucking wild. They're like a different breed of human being. Here you're in here rattling off all this scientific knowledge of neurochemistry and pharmacopoeia. And there's people that could breed with you. And they're there. My name's Sue Bob. I'm old Zoe, the sexiest one in the family. It's amazing. It's all going on right now at the same time. Oh, man. We had a guy on uh, that was talking to us about... Uh, about hunting. His name's Steve Ranella. He was on the last podcast. And he was telling us about, he was in Africa. And in Africa, he was hanging out with these people that have to hunt for their food every single day. And he was out to, to go with them. But they have an internet connection. They don't really have electricity. They have a generator they can turn on for like an hour or two at night. But it can't, they can't keep it on. They can't afford it. It's hard to get gas out there. They have arrows and bows and shit that they've made themselves. And yet they check their email, and you can friend them on Facebook. Hmm. That's all going on right now at the same time. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Did we get you too high before the show? (laughs) Be honest. Because I think I got too high. I I was was high for a while. Scrambling. I was just having fun. (laughs) Well, it's also, I'm I'm so fucked up because I just got back from Brazil. So my my brain is on total auto hold. One of my babies was throwing up last night. Yeah, that sucks all oh, night. It's, yeah. it's sad. It's so sad. I, I, I fucked up. I, I, I flew Southwest, which usually I love Southwest, but they have that whole number thing. Like, if you check in too late, you, you're either A, B, C, or D, or whatever, uh, how many people get on the plane. Like, first right. they put the A's on, then the B's. And I did one of those things where you sat... <laughs> the sat, C's? Yeah, I sat... T- uh, it was Columbus to uh, L.A., uh, well, Vegas till L.A., but I sat between two of the fattest people ever, and I'm sorry, but um, they both took a- up 90% of my, my seat. So the whole time, I'm like this. You're in the middle and yeah. the other side, so it's like a movie. Yeah, it was. I mean, but I was holding myself like this, and you yeah. know my, my elbow pain that I've been in this while. Oh. Dude, I am so jacked from that flight. That was the closest thing to torture I've ever been, and I couldn't do anything about it. You can't. Well, didn't they kick Kevin Smith off? Yeah. How big were these people? Pretty the bigger big. Bigger than Kevin Smith? Well, the, 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 the guy was bigger than the girl, but the problem was the guy, uh, he had uh, so much room to lean on the window, but he decided to lean on my side. And so uh, the whole time, no. he's like his, on my lap almost. And the woman was trying to be a little bit nicer about it, but she was still, you know, pretty big. So she was like on my uh, space, like our. See, that's a human rights issue. Yeah, These fucking seats are too goddamn small. I, but they, they need like Morris, a rape whistle for that. Hamilton me. Morris would slip right in. That's where it pays to be slender. <laughs> yeah, no you could just shit. Like, you could just go sideways, and those fatties couldn't even touch you. You'd be like a sheet of paper between pyramid rocks. Yeah. You'd have no problem. There yeah. should be a whistle for that well, or something. It's, it's, we have an issue. We, people are getting too fucking fat, you know, and it's been going on for a long time. There's a there's an um, image once that I saw online from um, the early 1900s, and it was uh, one of those carnivals, and it was the fat man in the carnival. Like There would be a guy that was the fat man, and he was barely fat. I mean, in comparison to what we consider fat today, like some of these people that you see that have to get moved out of their house, they, mm-hmm. they have to cut a hole out and they're attached to the couch because they haven't gotten up. They've been shitting where they sit and their, oh. their fiber, their skin has like melted <laughs> into the fucking chair. This is not just one person. This is many, many, many people have done this. It's been a, a bunch of people. They had to cut their fucking house open so they could pull them out attached to their couch. 
you know, and this was just, you know, 1900s, 1903 or something. Show. Fat man. He was like barely fat. It was like barely. He was a guy who should go on a diet. Right. You know, he was like uh, not, you know, Joey Diaz when he was not even at his heaviest. Like halfway there, right. halfway between Joey. So it's like that's just a, a short amount of time ago where it was really rare to get that fat. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing how far society has slid, or how far humanity has slid when it comes to that. Our our our, our bodies are exploding. Like it's so common to see people just overflowing out of their clothes. You know, fast food. It's corn. It's a lot of it. Corn syrup, right? Yeah. Isn't there a documentary on that? Yeah. About how corn is really terrible for your body, difficult for it to break down. And that's how, why they feed it to cows and shit and get them fattened up before you, before you slaughter them, makes them more delicious. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It used to be diet drugs were easier to obtain as well. But that's oh, yeah? Changed. Really? Yeah, definitely. So you think when... Well, I know one girl. I saw, I saw one girl lose a shitload of weight. She lost like 50, 60 pounds. She went from being kind of chubby to like really hot. And it was like, whoa, and it happened so quickly. And she was on something called Fen-Fen. You remember that? Sure, yeah. 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 That stuff jacked her, though. Yeah. It just... It just totally short-circuited her. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cardiotoxic it's Dangerous, stuff. man. That's crazy. Yeah, so she went right back to her normal weight again. It was like she oh, was yeah. a hot chick for like a year. Huh. That Fen-Fen... Kept yeah. it rocking for like a year, but it was just too too nutty, you know. That's one of, story with almost every stimulant they've used as a diet drug. They used to use methamphetamine, they used amphetamine, they used fenmetrazine, they've used anything you can imagine, any stimulant. It's just anything that they can sell you to yeah, make you think work. you're going to lose some, Yeah. No, the stimulants do work, and fenfen worked, I'm sure. And Do those things that you see, like, you know, ripped fuel and all that shit, are, the, are those... Are those diet pills? Are those things effective? I don't know what's in them. I mean, if they're some of them have weird <laughs> derivatives of phenethylamine, you know. Yeah, what is all that stuff? Those are just amino acids. Is that what it is? Mm, no, they're just probably really weak stimulants. Um, you know, like phenethylamine is a close derivative of amphetamine, just missing one carbon atom, and uh, and it's illegal. So you can just put tons of it into dietary supplements and it produces a short-lasting stimulant effect it's amazing that that's one of the number one concerns that people have getting rid of fat you know, yeah. it's a it's a it's a very strange statement when you think about how a society becomes so successful that even when you know people are down in the dumps they're still fat it's still all fucking, it's like normal. It's normal to have excess energy stored away under your skin. It's normal to be prepared for, for start. You're fucking stocked up, you know? In, in the, the wild days, it's so rare to, to become a fat person, you know? It's a fucking terrible conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you guys checked out a long time ago. I smelled it. <laughs> all this talk about fat. You know, when you have friends that are overweight and you worry, you know, after Patrice died, especially our friend Patrice O'Neill is a stand-up comedian, just sure, died yeah. recently. You know, you see you have friends that are overweight and it's just, it's like a bomb, man. You know, it's going to go off eventually. You don't know what you can do. You got to try to diffuse it. You try to lead them in the right direction or just enjoy them until they blow up. Did Patrice O'Neill think that his fatness aided his comedy as well? I never had that conversation with him, yeah. so I could never uh, speak of it, but he's he was really analytical about his comedy. I just think he was also like a guy who wanted to do whatever the fuck he wanted to do right then and there. 
some of the best comedians are also very impulsive people. And, you know, it can be good and bad. I know comedians that become impulsive gamblers and they, they can get addicted to drugs. Like, a lot of them have, like, really kind of wild and impulsive instincts. And that's what makes them funny. That, that, that be the first person to say, bitch, shut the fuck up. And that was Patrice O'Neill. He was the first guy that would say, he'd call you on your bullshit. The first guy to say, shut the fuck up. And to be that person that doesn't really, like, worry about how this is going to come out just fly with it it's like it's a very specific type of personality you know not that many people do it and they that personality is prone to doing a lot of other crazy shit too that that personality is prone to just eat until they're fucking pass out that personality is prone to do 15 shots you know on a dare that's a it's a wild personality that's a personality that's going to go with you to mexico you know it's like that that's the reason why they're funny so it becomes uh, you, you, you're sad like you see your friend who's really big and you see him eating himself to death and you're like oh, what the fuck can I say you can't say anything there's nothing you can do any more than you've already done you're an asshole you tell him you love them you give them a pat on the back if you need help come to the gym I'll work out with you but other than that what the fuck else can you do it's a weird world we live in people are eating themselves to death Hamilton Morris you don't have to worry about that shit you stay slender with your vegetarian <laughs> lifestyle on your basic alanines, whatever various substances you choose. Do you, do you, are you a multivitamin guy? You seem like you know so much about the body. Do you, do you take uh, supplements? And, I do, yeah. Yeah, what do you take? Uh, Big do, list? Yeah, yeah I bet you do. I knew you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you concerned about your liver? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on what supplement. Not all of them have hepatotoxicity issues but some of them do yeah uh, hepatotoxicity is <laughs> I was just about to bring that up it's not, it's not like it's inherently bad for your liver to take vitamins but uh, it's part of food right I mean that's essentially what it I is I mean everything has to go through your liver so yeah, yeah I don't that's not a huge worry unless it's something are that some I, in super high doses toxic like what are the ones to avoid yeah what the, the fat ones soluble are, ones are, are like, like vitamin E, e? Um, potentially vitamin A as well I don't know. It's not something I've done a huge amount of research on, but now when you say fat soluble, like somebody said that once uh, for uh, someone who got caught taking a performance enhancing drug, and one of the the people that was in his uh, camp said one of the things that fucked him up was that he's too fat, and so he can't get it out of his system as quick. Sure, yeah. Is that really true? Like it stays in your fat. Like if you yeah. were a lean person, you would get it out of your system, whereas if you were a person that had you know high percentage of body weight, it would remain for longer. It's possible, yeah. I mean, that's one of the you know main physical properties of any molecule is that it has different solubilities and different chemicals, and some things are lipid soluble. And uh, and if it's something like THC, and you have a huge amount of fat tissue on your body that the THC can stay in, so you're just fucking high all day. Certain people, but you're not, you're, but you're not getting high off of it. It's just just lingering in, in your cell. It's not doing anything it's not for in, you? Unless it's in the central nervous system. What if system? it's just giving you a very mild high, just the mildest, just cooks in? Well, then there's, you the know, there's people where that, <laughs> that claim that there's like some <laughs> reservoir in your spinal fluid or something, and if you crack your back the right way, that it will... Really? It I gives mean, you that, a blast of cannabinoids? Or LSD or something. Really? Wow. Yes, there's people that say that. I don't think it's true. Well, there's people that say that kundalini yoga practice can lead to psychedelic experiences. Sure, yeah. Have you have you ever experienced that? Yeah, I, I studied kundalini yoga for a while. Did you ever trip? No. No. Try? I I mean, that was one of the ways they tried to sell. I had to take it as part of my sports requirement in high school. And, uh, <laughs> you like, took kundalini yoga <laughs> for sports. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> 
That is awesome. Holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And they tried to sell it by equating it with a drug experience of some Mm. kind. And that's why it was so popular in the 60s for that same reason. But I don't really... I never achieved any profound state of altered consciousness. I have one friend who uh, had a a girl that he knew that was a friend of his that uh, he actually went on a trip with her. They were actually just platonic friends, but they would uh, travel together occasionally. And she was into like serious Kundalini yoga where she would get up every morning at a very specific time and she would have to face a very specific angle. I don't remember what it was. It was towards the sun or away from the sun. I don't know what she was doing. But she would do these very intense Kundalini exercises for like an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes. And she did it every day. And she claimed that when she did it for long periods of time, because she did it so much, she could get into like an astral traveling sort of dimension uh, traveling state of consciousness where she would have psychedelic experiences yeah actually now that i think of it i did have some how could you forget that uh well i mean they weren't they weren't weren't exactly the same i wouldn't really you've had you've had so many psychedelic experiences for you to have one in yoga like oh yeah i had one in that too but it wasn't really it was like uh you know they they do these breathing techniques breath of fire and for a normal person having experience like that would be something they would never forget (laughs) Oh my God, I did yoga and I had this most incredible transcendent experience. I left my body. I became one with the universe. For you, you're like, oh yeah, I did that during yoga too. (laughs) So how did it happen? How did it go down? Uh, You know, you have to follow these different breathing techniques and then hold yourself in some kind of a weird stress position that's extremely exhausting. And then all of your muscles start to vibrate like I was on that machine. Uh, oh, the turbosonic. Yeah, like the yeah. turbosonic. Um, so it's like a turbosonic type effect. I would say, I would compare it more to the turbosonic than to LSD. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. What's the number one uh, thing that if you uh, had to do it again, you would approach with more caution? Is there any Is there any one psychedelic experience that really like, threw you for a loop? I mean, yeah, many have. But I think drugs like... There certainly are drugs that are more friendly than others, and I think 5-MeO-DMT would be an example of something that has the capacity to be extremely unpleasant if you take it under the wrong circumstances. I had a friend completely flip out taking it because he had eaten, and so he had to throw up, and he got up to throw up, and he got to the sink just in time to throw up, but then he was just going crazy, talking yeah. about rape, talking about all kinds of crazy shit. took his shirt off. Yeah. No, I, I had a friend lose consciousness and start vomiting and look as if they had died. I've seen I had a friend and read about it. My yeah. friend Doug Stanhope, the comedian, I thought we lost him. He was going like this. And little bubbles were coming out of the corner of his mouth, and I'm like, shit. <laughs> and I'm hanging out with Doug, and I'm just thinking all the chemicals that Doug throws into his body, cigarettes and beer and fucking, I mean, Doug's shit's, on multivitamins. He's not taking a multivitamin. Get the fuck out of here. So I'm like, we might have redlined his body with this shit. I was like, he just took a big hit and he's, he might he might be a goner. But he came through it. But it was terrifying for a couple of minutes. Yeah. You did mouth the mouth, didn't you? I almost did. <laughs> make it. Man, I'm, just, I'm okay. Make it. Make it, dude. So what, were you, what were you saying about that? Just that you were asking me if there was one that I would approach with caution again in the future. 5-MEO you think would be this, the scariest one? Probably. I mean, there, there's also just isolated experiences that you can't necessarily connect with the substance. You know, in Pecal, there's like 
Anne Shulgin takes this oxygenless mescaline derivative called desoxy and has goes into a fugue state where she has a, a prevailing sense of unreality that lasts for months or something. Whoa. It just totally feels like she's in a dream. But then I've had friends who also have used unusual substances that haven't been tested very much and have weird reactions. But every even if you ingest the same substance over and over and over again, you really don't know exactly what's going to happen with the psychedelics. You're taking the exact same quantity of synthetic psilocybin over and over and over again, a year apart, every year, it will feel completely different every time. So I'm always skeptical of people that feel as if they really know the effects of any substance because you, it's always completely different. Well, DMT always seemed like there's so much coming at you and it was coming at you for only like 15 minutes. Like it was almost impossible to bring back anything. It was almost impossible to record any of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, to say that you know that experience, my God, you'd have to do that experience so many times just to get a general sense of just looking around and just relaxing and trying to absorb it all, trying to like figure out what the fuck is this? Can I move this around myself? Like, what is this? Is this is this an organism? Is this is this the universe? Is this the wiring of love? What is, what the fuck is going on here? It takes so long. Like you do it, and every time you do it, you come back, and then you go, what the fuck was that? And then you go back in again, and it's still the same thing for 15 minutes. It's just like it's too alien and too crazy there's no way you can ever really truly get a grip on it it's not like you can go on a vacation to DMT land you know if you could take a trip you know or you could go somewhere for two weeks and in that two week time you would in the entire time you'd be going through a DMT trip right yeah then maybe you would kind of get a grip on well then ayahuasca is you know some intermediate between smoking DMT and uh, not an intermediate it's just the longest that you can have that experience and even then you don't really it's not as if lengthening the experience gives you some greater understanding of what it is necessarily i don't think it's really any less or more confusing than smoking it it's just a longer duration and then you have people like gordon todd skinner who are hooking themselves up to iv bags filled with dmt right now this is the guy that you wrote about in the what what is it called crystal what what is it crystal coal yeah, but your your article was called uh, High on Crystal? Yeah, High on Crystal is the name of the video. <sighs> what a fucking crazy story. Yeah. And if you haven't read that, you, this is a must-read. The other one, the other thing where, where you were interviewing Shulgin was amazing as well, but you have to see this. This girl was a stripper, and she meets this dude who's like this big-time LSD manufacturer who has a fucking house in a silo and millions of dollars, Right. He's yes. rich as fuck, and he's like the number one LSD guy in the country. Or so, I mean, it's all so unclear. And this right. is another example of a story where a lot of people talk about it with an enormous amount of confidence, as if they have an understanding of what happened. And say, oh, it's all Crystal Cole's fault, or it's all X's fault, or Y's right. fault. But if I've learned anything from researching it over the course of years, it's that absolutely nothing is certain about the story. It's incredibly complicated, and, and there's so much conflicting information for absolutely every element of the story that... Um, that you have to be very careful about talking about what happened with certainty, but there was this lab, and uh, and they did lure Crystal Cole into it, and she did become a part of it. Um, she took DMT anally, dude. Yes, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, what a everyone was crazy girl, the shamanic colonic. Ooh. It's just hotter that she did it. Yeah, it's way hotter that she did it. I don't want to know that fat, sweaty dude that's fucking her, stuck it up his yeah. ass. I don't even care about that. Well, I did it too, Joe. I'll show you how I did it. I don't care about that. <laughs> it's an amazing story, though, man. This, this, uh, this girl, 
escaped, right? And then the the dude came after and kidnapped her and some other dude. They escaped together to get away from this fucking crazy guy. And it yeah. turns out the guy was working with the FBI or the, the DEA. DEA. Yeah. So this number one LSD dealer is working with the DEA. Yeah. And Damn. had been for quite some time. Damn. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of a story. Do you know who Whitey Bulger is? Yes. You know that story then? Yeah, I'm from Massachusetts. That's right. You're from Massachusetts. What an amazing story. For people who don't know, Whitey Bulger was the head of the Irish mob, and he was also working for the FBI. So if you turned Whitey Bulger in, Whitey Bulger would know from the FBI, first of all, they wouldn't arrest him, and then he would go kill you. And that's really how it ran. I mean, they really did run it like that. And you find that out, and you go, that is amazing. This is essentially along the same lines. Yeah. And things like this have been happening for a long time, both in the U.S. and internationally. Um, you know, there's the Iran-Contras with this whole scandal about them pumping cocaine into ghettos in America to yeah. create the crack problem. I don't know that it's necessarily true, but it's a theory that a lot of people have. And the same thing happened in South Africa with, with methacolone, with quaaludes. There was this whole project called Project Coast, where they were synthesizing massive quantities of MDMA and quaaludes in order to weaponize them for crowd control supposedly Holy but then they shit. were pumping them all into the streets and now the only mdma weapons yeah is a crowd control oh my god so you'd blast the crowd with ecstasy yeah it's called project oh, coast what a brilliant idea <sighs> where do i sign up yeah. dude that's like my bit about how to calm down the middle east i had a bit i did about sending crop duster planes just fucking cover the middle east with chronic smoke uh -huh. for just weeks <laughs> and then come down oh, that, i mean they did that as well actually weaponized thc they did at um at that that's the craziest yeah james ketchum's that's the craziest lab. sentence ever weaponized thc <laughs> yeah they called it like red oil or something that was like the code name for it hmm. the problem what, yeah. what does it do you spray it on people and they become high yeah exactly that's hilarious edgewood arsenal that's the name of it um yeah and it probably i mean that was the it was thought of as an improvement because it's a non-lethal incapacitating agent and you know if you have a choice between shooting someone and dusting them with thc that's amazing i can't yeah. believe that was a real product absolutely yeah what else can they dust you with like mdma thc and they try lsd as well i mean the problem is also that there are physical properties of these different drugs that limit their their ability to travel through the air or to maintain their potency when they're laid on surfaces or on the soil lsd is a pretty in, it's not a stable molecule. So when they were trying to weaponize it, one of the problems was just it didn't aerosolize well. It didn't last on surface as well. And then they settled on BZ because they thought it was a better chemical weapon. BZ? What is BZ? It's a uh, anticholinergic drug, like Jacob's Ladder. The movie Jacob's Ladder is about oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. So they really were trying to make LSD and use it as a weapon. Absolutely, yeah. What was the idea? What was it going to do to the troops? Just uh, make it, them disoriented well, and you just take them? Well, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if you discovered, if you didn't know anything about psychedelics at all and you right. discovered LSD and they, they tried absolutely everything they could with it. They tried to see if they could use it as a truth serum. They tried to see if they could use it to... You know, they tried to both good and bad uses. There were scientists using it to increase their intelligence, and then there were people trying to, yeah, use it as to make people insane, to reprogram people's brains. That was the large part of MK Ultra was about, you know, manipulating people's minds using psychedelics and sensory deprivation and things like that. And it was just crazy trial and error by murderers. Yeah. That's how they did it. Trial and error by, like, Nixon's people. They should make it into a steam. Could you imagine, man? 
trial and error with LSD by Nixon's people. Yeah, supposedly the word trip comes from, that's like FBI lingo from when they were doing the experiments. That's really? Like, yeah. Wow. The yeah. scariest thing that I ever heard connected to any psychedelic experience is that, was that Timothy Leary was connected, or not Timothy Leary, um, uh, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, was connected to uh, some studies at Harvard, and he had done like some classified LSD studies. Oh yeah. And they, you know, they they tweaked a lot of people's fucking heads. Yeah. And then he went back to Berkeley, taught math for a few years till he got enough money to buy that cabin, to take on the technology. Yeah. They might have fried that dude's brain. Oh no, they were lobotomizing people. They were doing just unbelievable. I don't know if you're familiar with the book Acid Dreams. But yeah, they did every imaginable thing. They'd hook up people to IVs with a stimulant like amphetamine in one wrist. And you're the second person in a week that's re- recommended Acid Dreams. Oh, oh yeah. I have to go get that. Now. Yeah, at least read the first half of it. Maybe what not. is it? so? It's all about MK Ultra. Different experiences that they tried to impart on people with LSD and. It's about, yeah, all, all these attempts to weaponize LSD and to use it as a truth serum and MKUltra. I'm buying it right now. Jesus. It's, 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 a, you know, it's an old book. It's been around since the 80s. You've heard of, uh, there was a, uh, it's supposedly an urban myth, but a French town that they dosed Absolutely. with LSD. Is and that think, true? Yeah, it is true. So they did do that. I think it's true, yeah. You think they did it? And that's, and that's more recent research that came up in the last, Maybe in the last five years. Yeah, I, I'd read it, and then uh, I had read a counterpoint that said it was bullshit because you can't even get acid to work in bread like that, that it wouldn't maintain right. itself. Is that true? Yeah, it would not It would not survive the heating, but they could have added it afterwards. And they supposedly they, I mean, you know, sure. So they, wouldn't they have to be, I mean, how would you go about getting that acid into the bread? You'd have to get a CIA guy who works there and just, just fucks with everybody's bread and squirts it out. Go ahead, eat that. I guess so. It I doesn't wonder. seem. I mean, you could spray bread with LSD. Yeah, it was work. just. It was an interesting argument when I when I heard because I had assumed that it was true, and I, I was like saying like, "Wow, look what they found!" And then I saw this counterpoint to it, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Is it possible that they have, could have created a more stable form of LSD, or could it be some other psychedelic that would have similar effects that would be stable? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's plenty of psychedelics that uh, they were testing at that time that are more stable than LSD. LSD is unusually unstable. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that I think that and you know they recovered some communication between two operatives and they said like did you finish the mission with the diethyl amide or something? They didn't specifically say LSD, but they used some abbreviated form. So it's not conclusive, but I think that there's strong evidence that that happened. You would think that if they knew uh, that it would have monstrous effects, they would have to know whether or not there's something that they can. Monetarily, well, I think they didn't know. That. They wanted to know. Yeah, they the, wanted. They wanted to what happens. I mean, it seems so, like such a powerful thing to have. You're going to find out what it's capable of. Yeah, you're not going to just let it go. You're going to have to like try to crack the code. Right, and apparently they were like spraying it into the New York subway system. They Jesus. were. Yeah, that's crazy. No, it's like, oh, they had an entire Whoa. CIA whorehouse where they would take. Oh in, yeah, that's yeah. Operation Midnight Climax. That yeah. was in San Francisco and New York. They yeah. had two different whorehouses. That's an amazing story. I love yeah. that story. Yeah, you got to Google that, folks, because it's amazing. They ran brothels where they dose dudes. Poor guy, just going in there for some sexual relief. Just something to just take his uh-huh. take his mind off his horrible day. You, would you like a drink, honey? He's like, yeah, just a Jack and Coke would do me great. Jack and Coke with acid. Oh, no. 
what the fuck, man? They really didn't know then. I mean, Evil. they probably had an idea, but there was these you know anthropological reports of what Indians do when they take peyote, but they had no idea how just some businessman. Well, uh, apparently they started doing it once they stopped uh, getting uh, people that are willing to sign up for their for the um, uh, voluntary tests. That too many people were getting fucked up by the tests. And so this is what I had read, is that they, they'd switch to uh, dosing people when they ran out of volunteers. Huh. <laughs> I would imagine they would have had volunteers, especially later on in these programs, and they were becoming publicly known substances. But yeah, a lot of the early research, so there's a book called uh, Drugs and Fantasy, where it's just people being dosed with PCP. And uh, I think the France one was like 51 or something like that, wasn't it? Was yeah, it something, something quite a while ago, ones? yeah. So, it's ter- really terrifying to think that they actually did do that. You believe it, though? Yeah, I do. This d- doused the whole town. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Nuts. You've seen you've seen the videos of them dousing soldiers, right? You've seen yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I believe it was the English army. Yeah. They're just wandering around. It's amazing. Yeah, people died in that French town. It was... <sighs> Didn't they commit suicide? People jumped off bridges. I mean, I guess it's the same kind of stuff that happens today with psychedelics where certain people respond badly and want to jump off of things. Do you um, support the theory that that was the cause of the Salem witch trials and all that stuff? That it was an ergot infection? Mm, You you know that story? Do you know that story? Um, I know that they claim that witch brooms were an implement for vaginally administering scopolamine and atropine and all of these what? different delirium. Jesus Christ. <laughs> vaginally distributing with a pole? Yeah. That seems so crude and uncreative. That's one idea, but I don't know about ergot and witches, no. Wow. What is it? Um, it's um, it's it's um, a fungus, apparently. Oh, yeah, I know about it. And apparently it has some psychoactive effects. Yeah. And they you can get, was... like, a poisoning from it, and it can give you some sort of a psychoactive effect. And they thought it was responsible for witchcraft? They, yeah, they thought it could have been responsible for people that thought they were experiencing magic, and they yeah. were hallucinating, and they were, you know, getting fucked up. And, you know, and they could have started blaming it on women, which is what you do when you, know, you can't get laid. Ah. So you're all fucked up on this crazy bread, this ergot, you yeah. know? Apparently, you've never heard of ergot being psychoactive? Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, it, it is, is. Yeah. yeah, and that's where... What is the uh, effect like? What is the effect of ergot like? Um, well, it contains just a variety of these different ergoline substances, but there's lysergic acid, amide, and um, and and they were used medicinally for, for a very long time. That was the reason that LSD was discovered, is because they were using these isolating different alkaloids from ergot sclerotia and trying to see if they had some use in in preventing postpartum bleeding in pregnant women and wow. yeah so it wasn't they weren't investigating psychoactive drugs they had some interest in using them as potential analeptics like drugs to reduce fatigue and that was this one nootropic hydrogen was produced by albert hoffman in the course of that study but they certainly weren't looking for anything like lsd wasn't lsd yeah there was there was some some people that it was, they were looking for something to make women more fertile or something along those lines. What the fuck did I read? To, to something that would encourage women to ovulate. Is that true? Did I read nonsense? I don't know. I mean, it that happens all the time. Out of my head. <laughs> I hate that. I hate when I have a thought that I, I can't wrap my head around. There's too much goddamn information online. Yeah. But that happens all the time in, in medical so research. So they'll be they trying to create for one thing. thing and, and, right. Yeah. Wow. That's the story of Viagra. It's probably That's a drug to keep them, to stop them bitching. Women. 
Yeah, Brian, that's what it is. Let me ask you this, because you're a rational guy that does this stuff. You're obviously very well read. You know what you're talking about, clearly. When you have an intense psychedelic experience, and when you experience what seems to be something that is not you, something that you're interacting with that does not appear to be the imagination, it could be, I don't know. But a lot of people, a lot of people have interesting opinions. A lot of people that have seen real intense psychedelic visions have very interesting opinions. And you, you might be the most psychedelically traveled person I've ever met in my life. So that's a perfect combination for you to be the guy that answers that question. Uh. What the fuck is going on? When you have an intense psychedelic experience, is it just chemicals perturbing your natural brain state what what do you think yeah is i think it is but saying just chemical chemicals is already kind of problematic because chemical everything is just chemicals right and just chemicals is absolutely everything you ever experience and remember and have ever lived so everything is a chemical phenomenon consciousness is a chemical phenomenon right. the fact that we're able to perceive any of this that we're able to have this conversation right now it's all an amazing chemical interaction so i don't see the need to bring in any kind of supernatural interpretation of the phenomena because it just is not necessary in the same reason that I don't see the need to bring in a supernatural interpretation of the universe or, or of anything else or even ghosts. You know, you can look at, if you look at a ghost haunting, you can look at it two ways. You can say, Oh, this was a weird supernatural experience. Or you could say this was a really weird moment of psychopathology and what psychological mechanism made this person so afraid that they hallucinated and thought they heard something or thought they saw another being which is equally fascinating if not more fascinating or there's a dude who didn't get enough attention from his parents and uh, pretends to see ghosts <laughs> is in the basement watching shit with night vision yeah that could be the case too yeah, I mean, I almost feel like that's the, the like the lesser interpretation. It's the easy way. It's, yeah. e it's much easier to say, oh, they're aliens. That's very simple. Right. Whereas if you actually wonder what is the true biochemical basis of this phenomenon, it's an incredibly complicated question, and it won't have a simple answer. Right. But that's why it's a worthwhile question. Do you believe that it's possible that taking something along the lines of DMT or any really intense psychedelic actually opens up some sort of a door to another dimension, another place, another existence, something you can't experience, another frequency, another station on the dial. I think other dimensions of yourself, certainly. I don't know that there's another physical dimension that you're accessing. I wouldn't, I don't see any reason to believe in that. I think there's enough inside of all of us to account for that. So you think that when you have uh, this an incredible, like, massive visual experience, it's all an imaginatory thing. It's not like your consciousness travels to a place no. or tunes into a frequency. No, I don't no. think that. So you think it's just a, a chemical reaction. But an incredibly fascinating, complicated sure. chemical interaction. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm absolutely not arguing with you. Yeah. I, I'm not sold on what the hell it is. And I've, I've had that argument with people that are really almost like, they almost proselytize about the experience to the point where they're, you know, it's, they're talking about it like as if it's a religious, uh, a religious definite, you know, this is what happens, this is what happens. And I've always said, you know, maybe it's possible, but it's also possible. It's just crazy chemicals. But it doesn't mean it's not spiritual. If right, people have spiritual benefits, that's fine. It doesn't mean that they don't have, they can't have a religious experience or they can't interpret it however they want. But I, I sure think, the interaction is beautiful. If yeah. the interaction is beautiful, it doesn't have to be otherworldly for it to be divine. 
you know, the interaction is beautiful. It could set you off on a, another direction, rewire your board. I mean, how many people have you ever talked to that have had a, a big psychedelic experience and totally stopped doing pills or totally stopped smoking cigarettes or just completely rewired their life because of one, like, emphatic psychedelic rewiring? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, but yeah, I just think that... Do you think... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, anyway, just the just chemical thing. It's just something to be careful with when, right. when interpreting things. Because no, the you're sun right. is just you're chemical. Right. Everything is just chemical. I just, I'm too dumb to be talking about any of this <laughs> in the first place. So I'm just trying to skate by with what <laughs> limited knowledge I have. But I, I want to pick your brain. So d when you experience, like, really profound um, wisdom in, um, in psychedelic states, where you have, like, you know, this almost feeling of being analyzed and, like, seen through and shown all your flaws and all your craziness, and then you, you have this sort of, like, a reset thing where you kind of get a new, fresh perspective of your place in the world and how you're, what kind of an energy, what kind of vibe you're putting out. You think that that's all maybe internal? That's all maybe imagination? Or is, it, is there the potential that there is some sort of a, an, another intelligence out there? There's some sort of a thing that you can tune into some sort of uh, that we're, we're connected to, but we don't access on a regular basis. Is that possible or is it silly? I don't think that it's... I, I, there's no reason there's for no me to evidence. believe that that is possible. But I think that there's all kinds of things within us that we don't currently acknowledge and understand. I mean, Shulgin, both Shulgin and Timothy Leary talked about this idea. You know, there's, there's all this non-coding DNA that's sometimes called junk DNA or intronal DNA. And, uh, and although it, it doesn't, they were probably wrong about this. It doesn't contain any kind of, uh, like, instinctual evolutionary knowledge. But, but there was, they were using it as an example. Like, what if all this non-coding DNA contains instinctual ancient knowledge that we're able to access while we're on psychedelics? Um, but maybe not with specifically with the non-coding DNA, but with parts of the brain. With who knows what sorts of things are stored within us that we don't know how to access. I, I think that and this is actually a Scientologist idea, but uh, I think that there's some truth to the idea that we remember absolutely everything that we experience. That it's all in there somewhere. You just need the right catalyst to remove that piece of information. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. Well, sometimes someone will bring something up, and then all of a sudden the file will open up in your head. And you're like, yeah, that guy. Where is he? What has he been doing? Like, boom, all of a sudden some person who you, you – I could have come up to you, do you know of uh, Bruce Bababa? And you'd be like, no, I have no idea who that is. But then somebody shows you a picture and says, you remember this guy, second grade, remember? And you're like, whoa, yeah. Click, click. All of a sudden the file's open, and you'll remember several experiences you might have had with that person. It's almost like we don't have enough room for all the shit we're seeing. We just put stuff in shitty hard drives and stuff it in the closet, and then every now and then it comes out. Right. I mean, it's like an indexing problem. The information is there, but we don't always know how to access it. You remember that show, Taxi? Uh, I'm familiar with Mary it. Mary Lou Henner? Remember the very attractive redhead woman that was on that show? No. She's got some crazy memory thing. She was on Stern Show. She can remember everything. Yeah. She has an insane memory. Like, she can tell you, like, you can tell her, you know, June 13th, 1976... What were you wearing? She's like, I was wearing a blue dress, and because I was on my way to this and that, it was. And she 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 can tell you like what what temperature it was outside. She can tell you everything. She remembers everything. Yeah, no, it is possible. It's very much in you know the size of a normal head. Those things are possible. We don't need giant brains. Yeah, and the size of a normal head. She's not even a nut. Like she's like a normal person. Like you, if you talk to her, she sounds normal. It doesn't sound like some maladjusted person with some incredible gift. She's not like a rain man. Yeah. She's like a, a normal human being. Yeah, there's, and there's lots of these pneumonists that are capable of, of those sorts of, of uh, 
just mind feats. But uh, and one interesting thing about the pneumonists is they all seem to have synesthesia, at least the ones that I've read about. And uh, so when they remember something, it's a visual memory and an auditory memory and all and all their memories are, are cross-linked over multiple sensory modalities so it's like uh, oh. and then that, and then there's a lot of research in the 70s about potentially using psychedelics as cognitive enhancers and i think that's one way that they could function is by encouraging this type of synesthetic thinking where you're uh experiencing everything through multiple senses and indexing information through multiple senses simultaneously what do you think about the controversial stoned ape theory oh well, I don't think there's any evidence for it, but it, that's like a lot of Terrence McKenna stuff. I like it. I think it's interesting it's and worthwhile fun, right? and funny and sexy. Good. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad that he said everything that he said. I don't agree with it, a lot of it, but uh, some of it's a little wonky. Yeah, a lot of it is, but that's but it's not, so much fun. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. Yeah, and even the stuff that's wonky, I'm always like willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that I just don't see how he's seen it. And that's you know that's yeah. most science anyway. It's just people coming up with theories and and models and trying to then prove the model. So he came up with a model or theory that was wrong. There's nothing bad about that. He was the just, stoned ape theory. Is it wrong as far as like uh, the time frame of of history and development? Like because that's what I've I, I think I read that. I think I that I read that he got his his errors wrong or something. Um, I don't think there's any evidence that primates eat mushrooms maybe i'm wrong about that i don't know that i don't think that i think the evidence that he was relying on for that theory that uh either it was lsd or psilocybin increases visual acuity i don't think that that's been definitively proven the science even though it was published in a prestigious journal at the time mm. i'm not sure that all that research was methodologically sound you know what the how the study worked you know what they did they had like two uh sticks that were in parallel lines and then they would have someone turning one stick on the other side extremely slowly to the point where they would not no longer be parallel and it was who could recognize it the first and the stone people recognized it more than the non-stone people and so his uh, his joke was that maybe being stoned you see the world better than it really is or, or better than you can when you're sober rather yeah i mean it yeah. hasn't really been studied very extensively so even though it was published it could have been horseshit like you would have to be re replicated a few times yeah i think it would yeah. be yeah, um, I, I, that seemed like a weird one too because like, who's gonna take a little dose? You know, if you're gonna have mushrooms, you're gonna blast off. I just, I don't see it being like to the point where you're gonna take like little tiny doses of it so you can see better. You know, if you have the blast off thing, you're not gonna be saying like, well, what if I just don't blast off? What if I just nibble, nibble, nibble so I can barely feel it? Who's gonna do that to go hunting? That's ridiculous. Or maybe they didn't even know that you could blast yeah. off for a while. It's yeah. the same thing with salvia. People right. didn't realize until the nineties, until they started extracting it and making those extracts publicly available. People didn't really know they you know, they'd chew it and they'd say, Oh yeah, it is active, but they couldn't really characterize the effect until they had concentrated the the salvinorin A. It is a trip that they look like dinner plates. It's a trip that they just grow out of the ground. They look like, Hey, look at me. Ah. You know, when mushrooms grow, I mean like there's a green field. This green grass and this white thing, just like here I am. It's like asking you to eat it. I mean, if there's anything that's ever asking you, it's a polite and subtle color. I'm white. I'm so bland. Don't even worry. Just come over and take a bite. I mean, and the idea that that you know, they might have actually not even been from this planet. They might have come here in asteroidal impacts. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the my favorite one. That's the my favorite sexy theory. Yeah, you know, that was another mechanical theory, right? Or he, or he he supported it. The yeah. idea that uh, he said you would know this. He said that um, 
psilocybin. There was no other uh, plant that was like that had the four in the phosphorus position, or no other uh, no other life form, you know, fungus that had that. Yeah, that the, was the only one. Yeah, is the that? four hydroxylation is unusual. There's a lot of five in the plant kingdom, um, but the four is unusual. Is there are there other ones besides? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. So his, I mean, his there's, there's, theory was... There's a bunch was, of in mushrooms. There's baobocystin right. and norbeocystin and things like that. His theory was that that had come from uh, an asteroidal impact, that spores could survive in a vacuum, and that we know the building blocks of life and amino acids possibly came here from outer space. Yeah. Maybe mushrooms. Yeah. And that, that was his idea. When you eat yeah. them, they're communicating with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that they're my guide. That they'll give yeah. us plans to... Yeah, oh yeah, he would buy the guide totally. He mean that's what made him write the time wave zero novelty theory. He he you know, they told him that he had to do it. Yeah. You know, could you imagine how annoying it would be every time you went on a trip, you know, you got some fucking alien mushroom people telling you you gotta write a theory. Uh-huh. You gotta write some biological theory. Brian, you could not look any more bored. Who's listening? From now on, four hits and that's it. I'm cutting you off at four. You went to five and you can't handle five. You think you can. Um, so, we got over the stone ape theory. What else do I want to ask you? Uh, alien life, yes or no? Again, I mean, all these things, there just isn't enough evidence either way. And I know that's like a boring answer in, in some ways, but I just, you know, people say, like, it's always huge news when they find an extrasolar planet that might be able to support Earth-like life. Um, but so far, they've never found anywhere in the known universe a single planet that we could live on without a suit for a minute. Um, so that's not really that encouraging, ultimately. I, like, But then when you also factor in the enormity of the universe, then, of course, I think it's possible. Absolutely, I think it's possible. I just don't see at this specific moment in history any reason to think that in the part of the universe that we've observed, there's any life. What do you think of the theory that life does not come here in a physical sense, but comes here through your mind, and that what psychedelics are is really like gateways to communicate with other life forms, and that we were hung up on the idea that something has to actually be right there to talk to you. Um, wait, something this theory? The theory is <laughs> that psychedelics open up some sort of a gateway that allows you to communicate with aliens. That's the only aliens that there are. The aliens only exist in this... this when you, you take a psychedelic, you can communicate with it. You can enter into a, some sort of a, a frequency that the alien is on. That's the only way they get here. They don't get here through metal ships. Huh. And that's all just craziness. Uh, alien contact <laughs> only comes through psychedelic use. I mean, it's an interesting idea. <laughs> to what end? Though? When you have like, your you hand like this, it's very dismissive. That's an interesting idea. <laughs> I believe, I forget whose idea that was, but there was a... God damn it. Wouldn't the aliens be it bored have, by it whatever have, they watch when they're it, in our bodies? I don't know. It might have been McKenna's idea as well. Yeah, he had a lot of nutty ones about about mushrooms. I'm pretty sure it was him. But his idea was that it was an alien life form, and that that's how you would you would communicate with it. He didn't think it was going to come here in metal ships. He thinks it was going to come here through the frequency that you would achieve. Oh, in yes. a heavy duty psychedelic state. So yeah, like, that he believed he believed he was really encountering something else. Yeah, you, know, you don't believe that. You don't. No. Be- no. You believe that it's just just the deepest facets of your imagination, or. Is there Akashic records? Like, do you believe in any of that? What is that? The Akashic, Akashic, Akashic or Akashic? No, no. The idea that there's knowledge and information 
out there and you just tune into it and that there's a, a record of information that like literally exists that you can just tune into and this is where creativity comes from and the huh. other in creativity when you achieve the the zen state of being completely in the moment these ideas will just come to you the idea is that these ideas are not just the firing of your synapses and the accumulation of your life experiences but in fact you are pulling from a well of information that's out there that you can't quite recognize on a regular basis and that there's there's knowledge inherent to to the world. Yeah. And I think it's called the Akashic or Akashic Records. It's the idea behind huh. it. It's I mean, almost like taking account to there. It's almost like a, a crude way of explaining why we don't understand creativity. Why you know we don't understand the the state of mind to achieve the proper creativity is like this zen accepting sort of like when i'm in the zone like when you're writing something you know how I mean, you have great writing i've read a bunch of your shit you you write some really beautiful lines you know how sometimes they just sometimes you're banging them out but sometimes they're just flowing it's almost like they're coming out of you it's like you you go into like this zen state and like oh that just came to me like there here's this thing some people believe that the what you're doing is by being really creative you're tuning in to intelligence you're tuning in to ideas and that the the human body and it's managing its consciousness is really just managing a radio right i mean yeah there's a lot of that but i find all of those ideas kind of hokey well just ultimately disempowering because uh. they de-emphasize the agency that human beings have in in creating oh we can't create our brains are not sufficient to create we need to tune into some kind of a record that creates for us right um it's, it's like sort of a religious idea as well that that there's like a god that that gives us some kind of power i think a, yeah. that's a pattern in a lot of these ideas is that they try to remove power from the individual and place it in some kind of intangible realm that we can access through being pious or through following some set of rules um, but ultimately i don't want to buy into any of those ideas right. i i find that um i completely agree with you and that i think that a big part of it is that people do better with creative endeavors when they're humble and so it's sort of a way of uh, not taking credit for what they're doing and yeah, just tuning into the right creative frequency. And sometimes that creative frequency, the best way to do it is just give it up to like a higher power. Sure, and that's not to say that it doesn't help people in the same way that religion, sure. even if it's sure. wrong, helps an enormous number of people. Well, I've always said that it's a great operating system for a lot of people, and it really does enhance their life. There's a lot of people that, for whatever reason, I don't know whether it's they're uninspired or whether they have, you know... Uh, brains that don't function at the right RPMs or whatever it is. But if you give them uh, some sort of an ideology, they can live a happy life. But if you left them alone in the sea of doubt and in the unknown, they could go down any path. They could, they could wind up a mess. They could wind up depressed. They can wind up fucked up. They can wind up in a cult. You give them a happy religion. They'll just live 70 happy years, die, be happy that they know they're going to go to heaven. And everything's cool. It's almost like it's a it's an effective operating system. And at the end, we we're really not exactly sure how much of this fucking thing we're controlling with our mind. We're really not. There's a lot of doubt on that. There's a lot of doubt as to like how much of life is truly random and how much of it is really created by the energy you put out, your imagination, your your actions and your deeds. What the fuck is really going on? Is it 100% physical, or is there some is there some manifestation that the imagination takes part in? We don't really necessarily know. There's people that always 
good things are constantly happening to them, and they're always in great moods, and they, they seem to perpetrate that same energy forward. And you, you, know, you look at people like that, and you wonder, like, how much of that is, is them? How much of that have they just figured out how to roll this thing and figured out how to create reality? Have they figured out how to just ride this thing correctly? Is it yes. possible? Yes. I it think is, so. right? Absolutely, yeah. You're one of the most experienced guys I think I've ever come across as far as altered states of consciousness. And you're not an old guy. How old are you? What are you, 30? 24. 24! Jesus Christ, son! <laughs> I was going to say you're 30. You're, you're a hard 24 kid. Have you seen him on the Apple commercial? You were really young in that one. Yeah. Somebody just sent me that. That's crazy. Dude, you're way too smart to be 24. That's scary. <laughs> it is. That's fascinating, man. When I was 24, I spoke in grunts for the most part. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Wow. You, um, have you, yeah, you've, you must be the most experienced person I've ever met, right? Really? I don't know. Have you ever met anybody more experienced than this guy? I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know that, that all the stuff he's really done. What do you take out of it, man? Do you, are you happy that you had all these experiences that changed you who you are? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, in what yeah I way? think it's good. I think just experimentation in general is important. Can everybody handle it? Mm, probably not, no. Probably not, right? Probably not, but... How I do think, you fix that? That's a very, very complicated question. It's a good one, though, it because is a, you got a problem if some guy's a good worker. Right, I think a, it requires... Johnny a, was good with the landscaping business <sighs> till that fucking Hamilton Morris caught him on acid. Sure, yeah. No, and I've, I've had close friends that dropped yeah. out of society for whatever reason because they started to find it pointless and it's difficult to argue with that if someone really genuinely feels that way but um, I think there's just a, it's sort of an infantilizing gen, generally disempowering idea in psychiatry and, and throughout society that we are not in control of ourselves we right. go we see a doctor the doctor is the expert on our mind and our body and they tell us what's wrong they know us better than we know ourselves even after only talking to us for five minutes and uh, so if you go to a psychiatrist and you say I'm having trouble working and maybe depressed, I may have ADHD, what do you think I should do? I think that Adderall would help me. That's immediately suspicious because you think they, you already know too much about what you need. They want you to go in as an infant that will, so they can tell you what right. you need. I, I believe that you have, there's some uh, emphasis or some, there's some impact that the imagination and your thinking and your energy has on life. But I also believe there's a lot of random shit too. I don't think it's a, an either or. I think it's a combination of you interacting with all these other people that are also creating their own realities at the same time, and that you can have, a, you, you know, you can all tune into a, a good frequency and perhaps, you know, create a good community. And I think that's what people try to do in tribes and shit like that. But at the end of the day, you're still dealing with random shit, like the idea that you blame people for fucking diseases or for being attacked by barbarians. You know, is that, was that in the secret? You know, did the secret work back then? Did they manifest these barbarians to come over the hills and, 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 and chop people up with swords back in the Conan days? No, right? This you, you can't say it's completely. Nobody would ask for that. Nobody would create that in their own imagina imagination for their for themselves. So it's not it's not that you are completely in control of your destiny, but it seems like you have at least some sort of influence with energy and with your imagination and with you know the things that you create and the the environment that you set up. I think that's one of the most important things that I've ever learned from psychedelics. Absolutely, yeah. And just being in a mindset to try new things, whatever, whether they're yeah. chemical or experiential or whatever. Um, I but think cautiously try, too. Cautiously. You're, I mean, obviously, you didn't find out all this information about it after you've tried all these things. No. You, know, you knew that going in. Yes. What's the one thing that you ever did where you're like, oh, boy, here we go? In what way? In like you're a, like, this might be a slippery one. <laughs> 
Oh, God. A slippery one. I mean, I've had a few slippery ones in my day, but uh, I think a lot of the really potent psychedelics have, have the ability to induce terror if you're sure. too high of a dose. I've had that happen with both DMT and psilocybin. Um, so oh, just so many, so many different occasions, bluntly. I've never had anything where I... Well, actually, I have. Yes, I have. I've had a few kind of close to what I would consider overdose of psychedelics where the dose is just so high that I think there might be some physical toxicity. Whoa. Um, but, but with those sorts of cases, um, it's very difficult to differentiate between what is motivated by fear. You know, a lot of people, even when they're sober, they'll, they'll panic or be uncomfortable and think they're having a heart attack, but it's just a panic attack or it's not even a panic attack. Um, you know, the, the mind is so informed by the body that especially in a psychedelic state that it's very difficult to say what, uh, if you're drinking ayahuasca and suddenly your heart starts beating fast, is your heart beating fast because you're scared or are you scared because your heart is beating fast and which do you concentrate on the heart or the fear first in order to calm yourself down? Wow. Yeah, and you might be throwing a puzzle that you can't wrestle with. Yeah. And it's, ah, it just runs you over. It's just too much. And you're just there in utter fear and terror until it slowly leaves your system. Yeah. And I overdosed when I ate that one bad shroom chirp, you know, like six months ago. I mean, I couldn't walk. My my legs would not work. I, they would they were failing. Well, yeah. That's how it was. He, he got over seven grams. Yeah, it was. That's a lot too much and that's just a guess that was over seven it could be way more than that you know yeah you, you're silly you went too hard son that's yeah. not it's not necessary yeah did you come back well or did you come back fucked up it took me a while like a day a good 24 hours after till i felt 100 percent. but didn't you learn something from the experience uh yeah my wall was like or my bathroom was like tron the original tron uh. <laughs> If you two had a conversation, I'd say, well, which one of these is 24? And which one of these is almost, is almost yeah, 50? Right. Yeah. How old are you now, 37? 37. 37. He's 37, and you're 24. You see that? Yeah. And he votes, too. I took Molly the other day, and uh, it Molly? was... Molly? That's and, the MDMA? Thing? Yeah, and it, it was a very... I've noticed something recently with doing shrooms, and, and it happened for some reason with Molly this last time, so it makes me wonder how much of it was really Molly. But uh, I could see so much better when I'm on a psychedelic. Like, like it seems like my eyes work, uh, you know, because your pupils are bigger, so you're probably Do you looking have bad more. vision? No, I mean, like, brighter. I mean, brighter. I mean everything's a lot brighter, though. Like, well, I can almost see in the dark. Though, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it makes me... And I had this thing I was thinking of, like, like it, it would be weird if, like, all the shit that you see when you're shrooming is there all the time, but your eyes adjust to this certain lightness or this certain level of being open that you see it more when you're on shrooms. So, like, like when you're seeing, like, you're looking at your hand and you're seeing, like, this crazy shit all around it, like, these, like, like vines that are growing over, what if like that shit's there all the time, but you're just like focusing in on that layer of uh, you know brightness? Or if it was Hamilton like, Morris, lightness. we throw to you. Is that possible? <laughs> Survey. The only one here qualified to answer that. Uh, I would say if I had an answer for you, poppycock. Is that <laughs> what you're know. about to say? It was just one of the things I thought of yeah. wow on Molly because I was looking like, geez, I can see in the yeah, dark before, right before now. Before he answers, ridiculous. let's make a bet. Let's make a bet because I say he says it's bullshit. What do you say? 
well, it's just a theory. It's a what if. Just I know. Like, we, I know. So we, we, no one knows. I would probably say you no. It's totally your brain right. just shutting down, going crazy. If I had to, vote. no, you gotta support your own theory. No, you know, no, I'm just saying it's a what here. if. I don't. I'm not. I'm just saying. What do you think he would think? To it? He would think. Oh, I would say. I'm not saying he's even right. I would say he would be exactly what he says on everything. You know, like it's all bullshit. He takes the safe road, which is what I do. I think I'm not gonna fuck. Well, he takes the scientific route. I take the scientific route way more. I go angels and unicorns. I'm looking for Bigfoot, bro. I'm always looking for Bigfoot. But I know I'm looking for Bigfoot. I know I really want Bigfoot to exist, but I don't think he does. Right. But I really want him to. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, and you don't see any... Nothing exists in the first place. None of this is colored or has any... Nothing actually looks the way we perceive it. Reality is a sensory phenomenon. And so to say what things are actually like is already problematic because it's a sensory experience. So how you... Yeah, that is fascinating, isn't it? And it's almost impossible for people to really wrap their heads out. That your mind puts that red in that picture. Your mind puts the dark in someone's hair. Your 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 interpretation of the world. I, you know, and then that's the total stolen talk. I wonder, man, <laughs> if like the color blue, like what does it look like to you, man? When you see the sky, what does it look like to you? We really don't know. We do know that it is different for some people. Really? Yeah. How I different? Mean, well, I mean, there's this, you know, color issues of like linguistic relativity and color naming. There's like been a lot of scholarly research into the issue where certain primitive societies have fewer names for colors, and so they'll they'll only have black and white, and that will encompass black will encompass like red and blue and white will wow. be green. Yeah, so it's not cross culturally defined in any way. Dude, it must suck to get your car painted there. <laughs> get your car painted in the jungle. <laughs> I asked for blue. This is red. You fuck. They're like same shit. That should yeah. be the end of the podcast right there. <laughs> we just all lost complete, total enthusiasm. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know how we got onto the subject of the color. Where did that come from? He was saying that he saw vines crawling all over oh, his Oh, yeah, the interpretation of things around us. I love Molly, though, and I think it's one of the most beautiful drugs ever. And, Is it illegal? And, yes. It's totally illegal. Yeah, right. But, Joe, have you, 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 have you done it? No, I've only done MDMA, and I only did it once. You yeah, take your thing. wife to Hawaii, you sit on the beach, and you do two each, and you just sit there, and you will fucking have the most yeah. beautiful time in the whole entire world, and you're going to have a reset. You're going to be so... You and your wife are going to connect in a way that you've never had since you've started dating, and it's 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 going to be amazing. It will... It's. I highly recommend it more than anything. Wow! Look recommend. at you. You're like a little love. I bug. love it. It's the you're best. You're like a little love bug. You're get, so happy. Get now. pure Molly. You will have the time of your life. Hamilton Morris, you're uh, a young fellow. Um, how do you uh, find a, a mate that can deal with any of this talking and conversation? How do you? How you? At 24 years old, guy or girl. I don't know if you're gay or straight, but how do you find anybody to <laughs> hang out with? That you would, you know, I mean, at your age, man. Do you man, start off looking in trees, or do you just twenty-four-year-old <laughs> chicks, man? I'll tell you right now, it's going to be a tough conversation at dinner. Yeah, well, do I don't. Know, I don't know very that? many people that are interested in the scientific element. I have a few right. close friends who are scientists who I talk with about this kind of stuff. So when you date, how do you, you know, I mean, what did you do at work today? And you start talking about phenylalanines and all this different crazy shit. Do you have girls? Do their their eyes glaze over? Or do they uh, do they look to you for guidance? I mean, it depends on what their academic background is. But yeah, I would say most people are not interested in that sort of thing unless you... I'm trying to phrase this as nice <laughs> as possible without actually saying it, but you must get mad amounts of stoner pussy. At least thrown at you. At least. 
Oh, Come man. on, man. You're like a you're an online stoner hero type dude. They must those chicks must launch it at you. You don't use the Twitter enough. I don't. Yeah, maybe today's the day that I start. Hamilton Morris, one one letter, one name. Right? Yeah. No space. Yeah. Yeah. He's got one tweet. But if you're gonna have one tweet, this is the fucking tweet to have. What was <laughs> what was your tweet? You have one uh, amazing tweet. What is your one tweet? Do you remember? No, at the top of my head, it's a pastor quote. Second, <laughs> trying to find it, man. Brian, why don't you talk while I'm trying to find this? Uh, hey, please vote for me on the Shorty Awards. Go to desklaw.tv and at the top of it, click on uh, you so vote for me. This? I'm getting beat by a WWE wrestler that has half a million hits, so I won't win. But it just makes me feel happy that I'm in second place, at least. Hamilton Morris only has one tweet, and this is it. In the realm of scientific observation, luck is granted only to those who are prepared. It's, it's romantic. Quote. If you're going to have one quote. By the way, I think that quote's kind of hacky. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a couple versions that are out there. You know, somebody, somebody fucking ganked this quote. Who? You know, luck is only granted to those prepared. You know, success is when luck meets preparation. It's like an old, that's the oldest quotation oh, ever. Yeah, they just doctored that shit up and made it fancy. Yeah. They made it sound, they're a little profound, a little more profound, but really, basically, they, doc, they doctored an old saying up. Those yeah. fucks. But I, if you're going to have one qu- quote, that's it, dude. And I like how you didn't even use quote marks. Or, <laughs> or you did use or, a period, though. You used a period. All right, yeah. Maybe you shouldn't attribute it to someone, but it's easy enough. Yeah, they should internet. figure it out, right? You didn't write that yourself, did you? Never no, did no. burn out in a fade away. <laughs> like Def Leppard? <laughs> I don't know. Did you say that? Hamilton Morris, this has been the worst podcast we've <laughs> ever had, but it's only because of us. Really, you were amazing. Every time we called upon you, your questions were great. We just got Brian a little too stoned. Hey, it's all my fault. <laughs> I got a little too stoned, and uh, it threw us off a little. But uh, it was fascinating, man. You... Uh, you don't have to turn the music on. <laughs> I didn't mean to Wanna do it that way. Let long. him pump up his shit. Man. I know. I was going to put in the um, So if, if people want to watch any of your stuff, um, it's Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. That's right. Yeah. That's what it is? In Vice Magazine. And then in Hamilton's Vice Magazine. Pharmacopoeia on VBS. Or is there Vice. any one site that's the best place to access all your stuff? Uh, Vice is the main place. I usually post new things on my blog. Also, Harper's Magazine. So they should Google it, right? Yeah. But not today, because Google's down, bitches. Is it? No, it's, it's up. Wikipedia's down. down. Wikipedia's down. The protesting SOPA. Yeah. They're trying to take it, folks. They know. They know the end is near. Good for them. They know. Good for who, bro? People, Good are, for people are rising up. B- big corporations like Google and uh, Wikipedia for uh, st- standing up for this shit. Well, I heard it's dead. I heard the the bill is dead as it stands, but they're going to try to rework it. I don't know. It's, it's terrifying. Does this bother? Does it must terrify you? I mean, you you're on the internet constantly and you're doing illegal shit. Yeah, I mean, it could have some implications. Fuck yeah. yeah. The idea that they can just come in and take down your site at their discretion, and this is right after the NDAA. National Defense Authorization Act passed, which is another terrifying thing. They can just arrest you. They don't have to have a warrant. It's just we, we're we're in weird times, man. They're coming after your dual cassette recorders, guys. They're coming after your flashlight. So buy another one. Go to joerogan.net and click on the link for the flashlight. Enter in the code name Rogan, and you'll get fifteen percent off the number one sex toy for men. Hamilton Morris, if you want, I can have some shipped to you. You don't have to say anything on air. Just wink twice. <laughs> You're good. Okay, shipment on the way. No worries. It's an effective masturbation product, ladies and gentlemen. It's a weird subject. It's much like psychedelics. It's really uh, underappreciated. Uh, it's physical uh, maintenance, I think. I think it's good. The body needs to be able to breathe as often as possible. 
And uh, that's too distracting. You don't want to involve all these different people in your life and have sex with them. Get yourself a flashlight, kids. It's it's not that expensive. They last a long time as long as you don't do what Brian does to them and fist them. <laughs> Turn them inside out. Show's going on. Anyway, go to JoeRogan.net and click on the link for the flashlight and enter in the code name Rogan. And you'll get 15% off your number one sex toy from me. Thank you to Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T, makers of Alpha Brain, New Mood, Shroom Tech Sport, Shroom Tech Immune, all that good shit. If you go to JoeRogan.net, click on the Alpha Brain logo, enter in the code name Rogan, you get 10% off. Thank you, Hamilton Morris, for coming down. And please start using Twitter. You're too fucking cool to not be on Twitter. <laughs> we want to pump you up. Please follow Hamilton Morris, H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N-M-O-R-R-I-S on Twitter and make this motherfucker tweet. You need to contribute, bro. You're a part of the hive. You're a valued member. If people want to watch his stuff, any of his stuff, just Google Hamilton Morris. That's the simplest way because Vice, they do awesome shit, but it's crazy trying to go to that site and navigate it and try to find anything. If anybody um, wants to come to Chicago, tickets are almost sold out. That is uh, the 27th, and it's with me, Joey Diaz, and Duncan Trussell. That's the Chicago Theater Friday, January 27th. That's going to be fun as fuck, because then the next night is UFC on Fox. Hamilton, thank you very much for being on one of our most awkward podcasts ever. <laughs> but you were a delight to talk to. You're a wealth of information and a cool motherfucker. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, we will see you next week. That's it for this week. Friday, i got to get some fucking house. sleep. Oh, yeah, and the Ice House. Um, I've had no sleep for days. I'm so, I'm so, I've never been more out of it doing a podcast ever. Um, my, my little girl's been throwing up and no sleep at night. And coming from Brazil, I'm a mess. So if I sound half retarded today, I will bounce back. I promise you. Next week, I'll be strong. I'm going to take some Alpha Brain and some fresh squeezed juice. and want to get the party started. So we'll see you guys next week. Um, I think Greg Fitzsimmons is doing it. Sweet. And um, uh, I think Brian Callen wants to do it as well. And we're, we're going to do Brian's as well. Yeah, we have a new podcast starting Friday, Brian Callen's new podcast pilot. Uh, yeah. It starts at 7 p.m. Pacific. And then right after that, we're, we have an Ice House Chronicles. Yeah, we with, we um, put the tickets on sale. Tickets for are on night. sale right now at icehousecomedy.com. And it we might just, have Burt Kreischer and it might have Duncan Trussell. Uh, it's going to be a big surprise, but it definitely has Brian Callen. It's whoever's in town. We're, we're, all of our friends are in town. We, um, we just decided to do this show yesterday. So if the tickets are not on sale, they will be soon. So that's uh, Friday night, 10 p.m.? 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Podcast starts at 9. All right. And then the, the podcast, the Ice House Chronicles, you can watch it here on Ustream slash Joe Rogan, Ustream.tv slash Joe Rogan. Or um, you can uh, get it on iTunes, but only on the Death Squad label. So you have to subscribe to Death Squad to get that. And there's a lot of other cool podcasts on that. Sam Tripoli's uh, show, The Naughty Show. Um, One uh, of the funniest naughty shows I've ever had last night with the Penthouse Pet 2012, by the way. Yeah. Oh, and Brad Williams. Yeah, we're going to get Brad Williams on the podcast, too. Hilarious. Okay, we'll get him on. We'll get him on, if he can get permission. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Right, Hamilton, smile. Smile for the people. <laughs>